0: Here at the Sill 80 Mania podcast, we are passionate about drifting history. Here's a little history lesson. Back in 2003, Falcon Tires did what no other tire company in the US did. They promoted drifting by sponsoring Falcon Drift Showoff, and they brought legendary Japanese drifters Koguchi and Seigo Yamamoto to judge and do demos. They sponsored grassroots drivers, and when FD was established, they supported the series and drivers for 19 years. When we approached Falcon about partnering with us, they were happy to come on board because they care about drifting culture, and they Support our mission to document drifting both past and present. Thank you, Falcon Tires, for playing an important role in drifting around the world and for making season two our best season yet. For more information, please visit Falcon Tire's website at falcontire.com and check out their IG at FalconTire. Listening to the SIL 80 Mania podcast, season two, brought to you by Falcon Tires. Here we document the history of drifting by interviewing the OGs and trendsetters of drifting culture. All right, we have an OG in the house today for the SIL 80 Mania podcast. We have, uh, he is a Bay Area drifting pioneer. He was one of the earliest Drift Day instructors back when we were doing Drift Association Drift Days. Uh, He was a pro D1 and Formula D driver from 2003 to 2009. He was the first driver to win a Formula D round in an import car. Uh, He was the author of the Calvin Wan's Drifting Performance Handbook, and he's an overall nice guy. I would like to welcome Calvin Wan to the podcast. What's up?
1: Hey, what's up,
0: I'm glad you're finally able to join us in the podcast studio. Uh, you're remote, yeah. but, uh, you know, we're, we're glad to finally get you on. It's been a long time coming.
2: Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. And you guys' set looks so legit. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was there, Hannah. I
0: yeah, there. well, hey, I mean, you, you got a nice set, too. Like, we're not in an Eichler. For those that don't yeah. <laughs> know, an Eichler is a mid-century modern architect. Right, and he, he had made he'd made a lot of houses. They're gorgeous. If you've never seen one, take a look. But like if you if if you can see the video, Calvin's got this huge glass window next to him. Eichlers have lots of natural light. So hey,
2: you look good too, man. Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, we kinda just moved in here, you know, we're kinda of trying to get into this Eichler experience and see how it is. I studied industrial design a bit, so I kinda knew about modern mid century modern, so
3: nice. Um,
2: yeah, it's kind of cool. It's we're only mainly here because it's school district for my daughter. She's started high school, so it's in an area where she wants to go to school. But who knows how long we'll be here for? But we're trying to, yeah, this experience.
3: Yeah. This you're speaking phone. our language. Yeah, <laughs> let me know. School districts. Yeah. Oh, my god. Yeah. School
0: district. Yeah. Um,
3: and I love that your car's on the wall. Like that's the best. So if you're listening yeah. to audio, flip over to the YouTube version. Yeah. To what see- is that,
2: Sonoma? Where is that? That was Monroe, Washington. Oh, so okay. That was like Formula D, uh, two thousand six, when I used it as a backup car. But that was the first time they competed in a Formula D. That um, you know it was still kind of like a personal, you know, backup car at a point. And yeah. Then, um, yeah. Love it. You know, yeah, I was there because of a G thirty five incident, I think, with Ken or something. So I had to oh, use my nice. personal car mm. for that round before the G
3: got fixed. So yeah, nice. A well, moment. welcome it's always it's always Spend cool,
2: a to, it's
0: always cool to be it. able to compete in formula d in your personal car i mean it's it's good <laughs> and it's bad right it's it's a cool experience because yes. it's you still have it right so yes
2: yeah right it's i have it and it was all together for the longest time and then i recently just stripped it down took it all apart and it's going through a whole rebuild process it's um taking a bit longer than i thought but it's a strip bare shell and it's getting repainted right now at a body shop so hopefully look at
0: what color can you tell
2: us so it's I've always wanted a white FD like ever since you know i got gotten FDs and then the car was originally silver and it was painted white but I was autocrossing back then and for some reason I picked like a Chevy Corvette white back then when I did original white yeah I regretted that and I was like damn it why did I pick a freaking Chevy white but (laughs) it was was a clean white back then so no now, pearl. like, yeah, it wasn't a pearl. It was yeah. just like a clean, like, kind of you know, basic white that wasn't too yellow. Um, it's not too blue. It just had a good kind of, you know, medium white tone that I liked. Um, but I want to keep it more like OEM oh, yeah, Mazda now. So okay. I picked a, um, like, a FD white that only came into Japan whites. Like, because FDs kind of had, like, a 92, 93 year that mm-hmm. had this earlier um chase white that was like different than the us one um i think it might have a little more yellow in it but at least it's original mazda on on the earlier fds uh mine's a 93 as well so it's period correct and all that so it's gonna get properly painted interesting OEM code so
0: i can't wait to see uh what comes out of that project
2: yeah me too (laughs) so
0: let's start this podcast off with the first question when did you fall in love with drifting,
2: Calvin? Hmm. Yes, yeah, so that that's actually a very prominent moment that I vaguely like, really remember. Um, it should so be. Speed, yeah, like <laughs> you know, I drifted earlier than this. Like, I think my first time attempting the drifting was probably like in '96. Um, different story from Wood drive car and all that, and then other stuff. But my the moment I actually fell in love with it was back in '02. So Speed Trials USA had that or, you know, those track days that had a drift run group. So I only went to one of those. It was probably like fall of 02. Um, I had my Street MD at the time. I autocrossed a bunch back then, like in that era in 02. Um, and then I think they were running, um, it was like, I guess, like the East Loop or something. Like the the side that had like the- That button the Like Phil's Hill, Glen willow. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the end of the dry strip and there was a right-hand sweeper. And that sweeper kind of connected like a straightaway to the S's. So it was like a bigger corner. Yes. So I was focused on that corner and just wanted to hit and drifted, drift that whole corner. It was like the biggest turn I ever tried. I never tried drifting on the actual road course before.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it took a while, like multiple sessions. And it kept spinning. And I would drift certain sections and straighten out. and um when I finally nailed it, like I drifted and I would trail break. I didn't e-brake or anything back then I That autocross, I was trail breaking. So I come at speed. It goes
0: your racing experience. Break.
2: Yes. Yeah. So it was autocrossing. I, you know, so that's what you did. You trail broke and you rotate the car and you just stay on the auto, and carry it out. Mm-hmm. So I was using that technique and like, I was able to finally like drift the whole corner and then power all the way through and finish into the S's. And like that moment was like, like, I celebrate, like, a freaking one an event. I was yeah, was like, dude, like, it was amazing. Yeah. So, after that, I was just straight-up hooked, like, yeah. where I'm like, alright, I was racing a bunch, I did dry racing, autocrossing. I'm like, drifting is just the freaking most fun thing ever to do, like, and now that I was, I've been waiting forever for drift events to happen, because yeah. I knew about it since literally, like, 94 when I first got my license, Um, and, you know, do option videos on that, but 02 was the first year they actually first start having us events yeah. so i was on like cliff 4g drift forums and all that and like drifting.com or whatever and i found out about all the socal events that was going on there was nothing in norcal everything was in socal so that 02 of was the first time and then yep. drift day was happening then so I hit up every drift day and then ikatan so that 02 beginning 03 was the start of it all it was the really start
0: yeah yeah shout out to tommy from Speed Trial. If you, if you haven't caught the episode yet, we did interview him in season one, the Tommy yeah. Chen interview. He ran speed trial, and he was the first one in, uh, on the mainland, at least. I, I'm not exactly sure who did it first, Hawaii or mainland, but you know, it was the first drift event that we were able to do. And it wasn't labeled a drift event, right, because we weren't able to do that. So if you want more information on that, check out that, that episode. Uh, so let's yeah, talk about a... let's talk about um your early days. Like how did you get into cars? How did you find out about drifting?
2: Um so I've always been into cars like forever. Like even before I was driving was collecting car magazines, you know, that's kind of all the toys and RC cars were all car related. Um well I, I did a bunch of skateboarding and, and BMX and all that too and rollerblading back then in the eighties. So I actually was into things with wheels and sliding around all that. But Got my license in '94. Um, It was a hand-me-down car from my mom. They're in the American cars at the time, but not cool American cars. a Grand Am, and then, but I would do burnouts in it. I would go in reverse, freaking (laughs) slam in drive, mean one-wheel burnouts, and then like neutral drop, like floor it, neutral back in drive, and chirp it. (laughs) Like I would freaking like I kind of destroyed that car mechanically, like you know. But I made it look. I mean, not cool now, but I lowered it, tended to retaliate, put exhaust on it, like, stuff yeah. you wouldn't do to a car like that, but it was, you know, a car I had, so I just yeah. wanted to mess with it. Um, But I was, you know, always into driving, and then, like, um I kind of destroyed that car, so it would barely running with overheat, so my mom kind of had to get me something new and reliable. But she was only into American cars, and, yeah. like, you know, I was like, well, you know, I was kind of in following the drag racing scene. So in the nineties, that, that um, was what drag- was
0: big in the nineties was drag yeah. racing, especially import yeah. drag racing. A lot yes. was going on. There's a lot of uh, records being broken and you could see the yep. sport progress. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I followed all that, like, you know, with the whole Honda scene, all my friends in high school was in the Hondas. Um, and then DSM two, like some of the Mitsubishi side where well, they only eclipses were coming out mm-hmm. and Talons. Um, so, I wanted one of those type cars. Even Volkswagen was cool with Jetta and Golf VR6s and all that. But all that was a little too expensive. And, you know, mom had a budget. And then she ended up getting me a Dodge Avenger, which is super embarrassing Damn. to say. But um, it was basically a long wheel wheelbase Eclipse. So I had the NA. It was like a A motor. But it was 2 liter, 16 valve. Um, but it, some of the parts, the same motor, it was basically a long wheel wheelbase Eclipse okay. with a different body. So, um, not like the nasty four sedan ones that came later. Like the first gen was decent, I guess, but not really. Um, so I had to fix it up with like do research and figure out like check out like count suspension coils on eclipses and talons and gallants and all that and figure out what the heck suspension I could use. Mm. I ended up getting some iBox. And so I had to put in work to figure out what the heck, how I can mod that car up and make it a little cooler. Yeah. Um, but so, but I started drag racing with that and ended up nitrousing it, like put a 60 shot knots and it started running 16.8s and I got it down to 14.8. Mm, so pretty
1: fast. that was
2: 14s was kind of quick in 96, you know, yeah, so definitely. maybe 97. So like I was into that and learned how to clutch, click and launch and, you know, what? burnout. So that kind of helped with the whole drifting. Um, you, you did know, that really young
0: because like, I kind of did the math on some of this, you know, after doing research. And I think we're, you and I are maybe, I think maybe you're a year older than me. But yeah, uh, for um, you to do um, that in 96, that was, that's, you were doing that really young.
2: Yeah. So 96 was when I graduated high school, too. some class in 96. Yeah. Um, so, but that car is when I got that. I drove in 94. So, and I was looking at all the option magazines back then because my mom used to go to Japantown. I would just go to a bookstore and just check out all the magazines back then, yeah. um, even before I was driving. And then, you know, Sport Compact Car and Turbo Magazine mm-hmm. was kind of a bigger, you know, title back then. So I would look at all the drag racing stuff that came out of there. I would just attend Sacramento Raceway events just to watch at first when I had my Grand M, you know, like just to kind of check it out. And then I started drag racing at Sears Point. Wednesday night drifts, they had like a high school class, so I was, and then, uh, so I was deep in drag racing, and I actually went to this shop called Motor uh, Revolution Motorsports, mm-hmm. so Leo Now actually was an the kind of owner then, and he sponsored me, he was my first sponsor, and he actually was trying to build turbo kits for NA Eclipses, and mine had the same setup, and it was a different car, and he's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'll sponsor you, because it looked different, I guess, and I don't know, kind of cool, but... Um, but we went through three different turbo kits, and it wasn't really set up that properly because we we're using the same exhaust manifold and made custom flanges. And it, overturned return line was at the bottom of the oil pan, so that screwed up three different turbos. Yeah, you know, so I was deep in drag racing for that bit. But because of that incident, the turbo hurt the motor, and I basically needed to rebuild the whole motor. So, but because of that car, um, I had to get a beater car, something cheap to get me around. So I got a, a, a Toyota Starlet. So it was like a $500 Starlet that I found. And I autocrossed in the Avenger one time at a De Anza event. And I saw all these dope Corollas, like 886s and mm. Starlets that were fast as hell. And yeah. I was like, ooh, that's dope. So Starlet was cool because they auto- there were some guys that autocrossed that. And then that got me in a rear wheel drive. And after that, I was like, okay, so we get front wheel drive. Got I'm it. rear wheel drive car now. And this was like 97. Okay. So I had a Starlet. And then got into Toyota's and ended up picking like up an A eighty six, like a eighty six coupe two tone. Um I did more autocrossing, but I met like with that car, I met like Antonio, like and then a bunch of these Daily City like Corolla guys, like Gaylord was there and like,
0: yeah, A lot, like, of, Kiro, Kiro uh, a lot and, like, of the A eighty six scene in the Bay Area back then was big. There, yeah. And there were a lot of Filipinos um yeah doing it too and so I was just well, as you were telling this story I was like you had to have met up with Antonio and, and the guys up there if you were in a hot who's in that time. Yeah let's yep. name
3: let's name the guys. Let's let's do the uh the quiz like name the top <laughs> name the guys. First and last name there's Gaylord Gaylord Garcia. Gaylord Garcia. Antonio Alvendia but he's from down here.
2: Well no he was, he, was he originally, originally was like, like, from San Jose. Yeah uh-huh. yeah
3: who Else did you meet up there?
2: Um, so like people that uh, we would Hiro, recognize. Hero, Hiro yeah, Hero Fujita, he was up there. Um, and then like this was Daily City folks, and then like I think Herman If he was at All Crosser at 86 back then, too. Um, a few other guys, too. But we kind of had like the state Daily City crew, and we kind of started this like 8086 driving mm. club, and then back then, actually co-founded this graphic shop called graph tech graphics with Rabbit and 98 and then we would make stickers for cars so i helped design this silhouette of a six and then you know you did that cars design cars i didn't I... know that
0: yeah
1: Very so cool. i designed that
2: um and then you know i made like all these gts stickers you know and even had one that was like like graph tech sign works in the gts and all that but it was um Yeah, I was in that car scene, we did car shows, I actually was with Spintronics and DJ, we we actually set up sound and lighting for actual like concerts and car shows too, so we're in car shows, like kind of setting up background stuff, in graphics, doing the stickers, and um, we actually set up booths, sometimes when we did gigs at car shows, we set up a graphic booth and cut stickers on the spot back then too. So I wasn't a show guy, but I attended a bunch of shows and I had my cars in the shows and did graphics on it too back then a little bit. But I was more like into the driving, yeah. Drag racing and then autocross and you know, did some road racing as well and then drift. So I was yeah. more driver oriented. But those were the early years.
0: So but how and did then, you how did you get into drifting?
2: <clears throat> so I I knew about drifting from all of the Austin videos. So we would, you know, we, we would watch with some of the Symphonic guys too. Like we'd hang out at, you know, some of the houses like yeah. uh, Sutomu. Well, let's talk
0: uh, uh, since you brought up Team Symphonic, uh let the listener know what is Team Symphonic and kind of where that came from.
2: Yeah, so Team Symphonic, that was a crew that kind of was already formed in Norcal. Um so Stomu was one of the main guys in there and then there was um like Ivan and like Victor Choi and Victor Nomura. Victor Nomura was another A86 guy. Um, but, and then like, uh, he, we had a kind of this, this crew that we w- they would kind of be in the mountains. And then I was actually um, friends with Dan Pina. And then me and Dan Pina was going to you know, Academy Art or something. We were driving on our own back then. And then we ended, up, I my FD and I knew some FD guys from the forum. So Ivan and uh, victor were rx7 guys so fd guys so i met with found out about them and then we kind of heard from the from them that like yeah we got a friend that actually got like a uh, skyline gtr that's actually running around with us too and i was like what the hell the hell got a freaking like r32 gtr yeah. like crazy i want to meet this dude yeah so we were in the mountains running around like you know we met you know four corners in this lot and then we saw this great GTR and ended up being a V V-spec and everything. And yeah. It was Hubert Young. So Hubert Young, like he, you know, like that was the first time I met him. And then I was like giving him props to actually driving this baller car that yeah. was freaking, you know, crazy expensive um in the mountains. Um and like, you know, it was we kinda all kind of just hung out a bunch and just drove around a lot. Um, like really late night and then yeah, like we kind of met up with Alex Pfeiffer as well. Some of the people from there, but actually probably more with the Daily City AA Six people. Mm-hmm. So we met with Alex Pfeiffer in like Marin, he used to live in Marin, like Matt Hamilton area and all that. And we would go kind of late night and kind of meet up with him. Um, so there was kind of like this group of NorCal guys that was driving a bunch. Yeah, um, But, you know, there wasn't any drift events or anything back then at all. So we would kind of do our thing and just like, um, find really screwed the spots and, you know, got a little practice in, but, you know, not that much. It was more, a little more grip driving, but mm-hmm. we did kind of have certain spot that we just concentrated on some drifting a little bit. Um, but
3: at this time, was, were you in the Starlet still or 86 or what were you driving? Uh,
2: that was actually in the Corolla. So I had two different A86s at the time. Um, so I had the blue car. And then I traded one of the uh eighty six with this um, John, um, and then there was like two brothers, like Yves and John. And John had like
0: my <laughs> I know John, two-tone. and Eaves.
2: Yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, they were part of that Bailey City crew. And then so I traded John the teal car for my, you know, my '86 blue tone two tone. So that car actually was a little lighter and a little better suited for autocrossing, which was cool. Um, it was an aftermarket paint job, but I mean, it, I liked how it drove better. Um, so I was like, cool. So we traded and then that's the one that I met up with Alex, um, in the mountains and all that. So we kind of like it, I had like a six crew that kind of I was rolling with and yeah. then my FD that I had and the, the FD actually came after. So I rid of the Avenger, I actually got ae E30 M3 first, uh, in 99 and then wow. I only had that for a year, but it was a 99 to 2000 that I had it. Um, I got a high mileage, like and maybe 160,000 and it went up to 180,000 and it needed like a full rebuild and everything. Like the clutch was going out, everything on that motor was super expensive to repair. So I was like, Ooh, okay. Like, um, you know, I kind of wanted something more like stronger. That thing had a power up top, but not that much torque, mm-hmm. um, but it was beautiful and mm. I lowered it and I loved their car um, but the amount to rebuild it was a lot I wasn't ready for something like that and I wanted something stronger and I was always about you know FDs and Supers and all that. those were the yeah. dream cars back then yeah. so I was like with that money I can just get you know a little spend a little more mm-hmm. and I got an FD for like 15000 back then where it's a lot more now but yeah. it was manageable back then with from selling a car and getting something else you know mm-hmm. little by little I chipped away at it so like, um, yeah, but the FD kind of met, had me driving more out across that a bunch. And then I met up with the other FD guys. that met with Symphonic. So we all kind of rode with that crew kind of after. But I still had the Corolla on the side as well. Yeah. So I can call it
0: that, that that must have been pretty crazy. If anyone saw Team Symphonic driving and then you guys had an FD and an R32, Like, that must have been pretty wild looking.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that that was a cool crew that we had. And we didn't really interact with other groups or anything. And, you know, we just kind of hung out.
1: Yeah, you guys were just friends,
2: right? Yeah, we just go to Stomo's house and just watch, like, option videos yeah. and just kind of hang out. And and that's
0: dope. Like, Stomo yeah. could probably translate a lot of that stuff for you, where it's like, yeah. for us, we were watching all, all these videos and we didn't know what they were saying.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was always just pictures and numbers and you yeah. know, whatever English brand names that they kind of showcase. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what, always how it's been.
3: What years were this, like, where you guys were all cruising?
2: Um. So, because I got my FD. So, I... The M3 I had to 2000. I sold it to a friend of mine, Milton Rodriguez, who's a friend now, but I didn't know him back then. Um, but he, so I had my FD in 2000. And so it was probably 2002 was kind of when we were doing that symphonic thing. And then we even rented out like, um, like we do private events at Willow and rent out like East Loop and then just do like maybe like the 15 of us in this. Do events and kind of did that early on too and drifted a little bit, but it was more grip because I don't think they allowed drifting back then. Um, so we kind of did those events and carried it on to later as well and it made them drifting events. Um, but it was just kind of these smaller private events that yeah. they can rent it for cheaper and all that. Well, but yeah.
3: Do you have any funny Alex Pfeiffer stories during that time? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. So when we met with Alex, like, you know, that guy was always a character. Like, he would just hang out in his sandals, like, and just kind of, like, pound beers and just, you know, Did you have stories a shirt stories and all on? that. He had a shirt because of nighttime, you know. Okay. So, like, <laughs> it would, we would meet up at night, and he had a place in Marin that we went to his house and hung out to after. But, you know, he would kind of just, like, come beer and tell stories about, you know, how things were in Hawaii and all that. And then, you know, take us to a spot and, like... You know, I kind of forgot if I got a ride. I think I did get a ride with him once. So I was having trouble on this one corner because I actually had like some R compounds mm. that I was driving on because from autocross setup, it was, it was driving R compounds. And then he was showing us this one corner that we kind of shine all our headlights on. We just kind of go back and forth on it. And then he hopped in my car and then first thing he do he was in his slippers and he would take off his slippers and just drive barefoot yep. and I was like what the hell this guy yeah. just drives barefoot like <laughs> super long bare quad of freaking pedals I was like oh my god like I guess you get more grip like that so that was yeah and he's always done that like you know at drift day events when it's yep. chill no suits freaking sandals off and just barefoot freaking the pedals yep. so, he was yeah so he's becoming
3: one with the car yeah
2: and I'm like, dude, you can't do it on a freaking stripped out race car. It was like the four pan and tunnels were just hot. super hot. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, you got to wear shoes, buddy. Like that thing going to burn your feet. But yeah, Alex was super chill. And it was fun kind of hearing his stories and all that. And that dude was so early on that yeah. he knew he was one of the best. He was the best drifter back then because yeah. we all kind of just did single corners here and there. But he actually could connect corners and all that. Yeah. So, like, he had experience over all of us, so we were just kind of, like, looking up to him at the time, and, like, he was showing us what's up.
0: Yeah, we, we were, uh, in the interview that we had with him last season, I was talking about that, that Button Willow event that you just mentioned when you fell in love with drifting. Uh, that was the first time I saw Alex Pfeiffer live, and, you know, I was excited to see, like, what he could really do, because I knew he was before all of us, and he already had yeah. experience and just... You know, I told the story about how, you know, like you were trying to link the the two corners, right? And I was trying to link two corners. And while we were trying to do that, Alex Pfeiffer was just mongeing everything in third gear. Like it was, it was amazing how good he was back then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He definitely did it before all of us. So he was able to understand the transitions and Mm -hmm. all that. Like I was still kind of in this single corner thing. And then, you know, I have... I tried drifting with the front wheel drive the Avenger back in the day in 96 and I would just pull and drag e-brake everywhere yeah. and to a point where I actually slammed the back of it onto a curb and busted my rear suspension. And that made me kind of stop practicing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, crap, I just busted my car. So I was, I knew about it and tried, but it wasn't to the level of like where events was able to actually bring you to the higher yeah. level because you can't really drift on the street properly. and I Definitely don't recommend that nowadays for anybody because there's no events back then. We didn't have anywhere else to practice. But nowadays, there's so many events that you could do. You could learn so much more at the track.
0: Agreed. I I think something that people don't take into account when they're trying to learn on the street is it's hard to focus on improving if you're always on the lookout for cops, pedestrians, oncoming traffic. Um, it's just not a good learning environment. So we, we, you know, a lot of us did that because that's what we had to do. Um, but then, you know, a lot of our peers, like, they saw the bigger picture. They started hosting Drift events and got us off the street.
2: Yeah, so that was amazing when that happened. I was waiting since the 90s for that to happen. Like, I didn't know about the ninety 96- six. ICA10 when it first came out, I saw no the No one did.
0: After. Very few yeah, people I was like, knew.
2: I was like, what the hell? There was an event. And like, yeah. I actually knew about drifting before that. And then I saw that in a magazine later. And I was like, oh, when the hell did that happen? But yeah. I didn't even have a rear-wheel drive car at the time. But like O2 with speed trials and then Drift Association. I was like, oh, but Ikaten was the first one. So January 17th, 03, that was, like, the memorable, like, first ever. You remember like, the date.
3: Yes, the date.
2: Yes. Like, that's, <laughs> 03 was, like, just, that was, like, the start of it all. So so like, where were event, you that
3: day? Tell us about that day, January 17th.
2: <clears throat> so that was, and they could attend that option video held at Erwendo Speedway's parking lot. So, like, they didn't do anything event. That was the first ever event. And it was kind of like an invite event, I believe. I forget how I found out. Maybe through 4 G or something. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, there was all of us here. You guys were there, like, you know, I think Ken Gushi, Pfeiffer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we brought down some NorCal guys. So, like, Jay Laka came down, Dan Pina, and then the Symphonic guys came down. Like, yep. Hubert brought his car. Um,
0: Hubert and, brought
2: an S14. No. Oh, Right. I think he did. Hubert brought, brought his brother's S thirteen. His S thirteen his brother James yes, has a that's had right. like a Sill 80 set but I don't know if you're able to say the sil 80 back then, but it was a coup I mean I'm sorry, a blue hatch. Yeah. S thirteen. Uh, so he ran that car. And then Victor Nomura, yeah. he was actually in a red uh A six coupe and he was the did the best and kinda of went furthest out of all the NorCal guys. So we were like, yes, like representing NorCal. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we had a whole kind of group that caravan down, um, and that was just amazing seeing, like, because at that event, there was, you know, like, Tarzan came out. Um, yeah,
0: Tarzan uh, was there. Um, Akira was Iida Akito, was Akira. there. Yep, yep. Nomuken was there. Right, Nomuken was there?
2: Yeah, and then the signal car. Who was driving the signal car again? Was it Nomuken? was uh, Komatsu. Komatsu. Komatsu, yes, Drifter X. Um, yeah, so they were doing the demos in that. And I was like, that was the first time kind of seeing, like, legit drifting live. Yeah. So that was like, ooh, okay, that's how you run this course. And, like, before that, I was just only doing single turns. So yeah. I was like, crap. Like, I still had to work on my transitions at that event. So I was still learning. Yeah. Um,
0: a-, a lot of us were. And, and then to make things even harder, there was a little rain gutter right at the apex yeah. of the first corner. And I was yep. messing up, like, everyone. Yep.
2: yep. So, yeah, they kind of, like, power through it and stuff, off and power back out of it. Because that would spin people out, like, left and right. Yeah. I, I think they did that on purpose just to make it entertaining and see people Probably. mess up. Probably. That's how option. Well, and walls just, everywhere, like, too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that was the start of it all. And it was cool. as, you know, it was we were in, like, a... Option Drift Ten Goku. Yeah, we um, were in the thing that
0: inspired all of us, right?
2: Yeah. So that was the start of it. But the next event was Drift Show (laughs) Off.
3: This episode is brought to you by Lot USA. Lot USA has been the master distributor of Brid racing seats for the past 18 years. Celebrating their 42 years in operation, Brid manufactures high quality performance products for circuit drag, GT, and drift.
0: Nadine and I have always run Brid seats in our cars, and even today, Brid seats are the latest mod in our new drift car. Our favorite seats are the FIA approved Zeta 4 and the reclinable bucket seat, the Stradia 3.
3: One of the latest releases from Brit is the Zeta 4 Vireo, which is a size small version of the Zeta 4 for petite drivers. Visit lot-usa.com for more info and follow them on IG at lot-usa. This episode is brought to you by Bartaby. Bartabee is a car builder and tuner in the Central Texas, Austin area. In addition to other Nissans like the 350Z, they specialize in GTRs R32 through 35 and has over 10 years experience. In terms of tuning, they work with most standalone ECUs like MoTeC, Mtron, Link, Haltech, and AEM to name a few. Bartaby has tuned some of our friends' infamous cars, including J-Spec Sam's Blue R32 GT when we get our GTR, we know where we're sending it to get tuned, Bartaby. For more info, visit bartabee.com and be sure to check out their dyno tuning videos on IG at Bartaby.
2: So, just show off, um, this was March of 2003. Um, that was a big eye-opener. Um, we actually saw like legit multiple car tandems yeah. there. So, Falcon kind of pulled off this huge first off event mm-hmm. and then they brought Koguchi and Sago um over and Z thirteen and Chaser. Um and then and Signal the brought Sig- some cars the too. Signal
0: yeah the, uh they brought Komatsu, they brought uh, Chunky by
2: Yeah. So seeing like those tandems in person, that was kinda like the first I mean Ikaten was cool, but I don't know if they did much tandems there and it was a smaller they, course. I like, feel
0: like they barely did any demo at all.
2: Yeah, it was very short. I think yeah. they did a couple runs, but it, they just it was mainly us running, yeah. so it wasn't as big of a like shy opener. When we saw it. yeah, eye mm-hmm. opener like on your show off. So I was like, Whoa, that was that's how you freaking like drift legit. And I was like, Damn, like man, we need to do that. And they were just grazing walls where yeah. a lot of them actually like grazing and like you know, knocking bumpers off and all that. So yeah. I was like, Oh, they're getting down, um, you know, and all these outer clips. So... We weren't quite there yet, but I mean, I had my FD. I was still unlearning and, you know, ran a course, but didn't run it as clean as some of you guys. So you, Benson, you were the star on that event. Like, you were yeah, legit was. and you so 80.
0: That was a, that was <laughs> a weird one because I, I never felt like I was running the best that day, but I didn't I didn't spin out. I just, I did not make any major mistakes and that I feel like that right. got me through the end but uh yeah yeah there are definitely some like really talented guys out there that i beat out just through consistency
2: yeah yeah no that was that was cool because you were you were one of the early guys that was a that did some earlier drift days and you had some seat time you yeah. know where, where you had where you know i knew of drifting early on but i didn't get as much seat time as some of the Skull Cow guys mm-hmm. and some of the you know and we had some NorCal people come down too, and I had an S14 at the time. And Hubert actually borrowed my 14 for that event. That so was yours. That the, was it was mine. white, right? So, that was a black cookie. I got it all mixed up. Okay. Yeah, so that was mine that Hubert used. Um, yeah, and like Jay Lapid went down with his white S13 coupe, um, and I forget how many other people went to that one, but. Um, yeah, like that was that was a fun event. Um, I was still learning at that time, so yeah. I was kind of you know looking up to you guys. I was like, oh, these so kind guys kind of know what's up. And then, um, yeah, like but that first event, I at the end of it, I actually met Nick from Falcon. Mm. So like for a second, it's like he met me in a parking lot um, and noticed my red FD. So we connected the first time ever there.
0: He's an the FD guy. So,
2: if Nick's an FD guy so I guess he me and him connected because of FDs okay. and then um, so I met him for the first time there after the event actually in the hotel parking lot we ran into each other um, and you know that kind of started off the Falcon relationship you know we didn't do anything at that point it was just like a you know introduction at that point but mm-hmm. that that was huge for my career to meet nick at that point and for him to pull off that event hearing his background story from his early podcast and how that came about yeah you know i chatted with him in person back in the day about that like he kind of started with falcon recently and that was his first event that he put together and it was huge yep like so huge for
0: so huge for the culture here if if he never did that who knows you know what it would be like but
2: yeah yeah. That literally kicked off drifting in the U S because there was so much media magazine coverage at that mm-hmm. event. Like it, there was like every single import tuning magazine and even outside of that, like had coverage of that. Um, so that kind of blew things up and it started, you know, other events down the road. So after that was like, I think ours, our drift festival in April was yep. the next one. Yeah. And a came on that. Um, Orito was awesome because during practice I was drifting my F D on the infield and then I was still having a little trouble transitioning because just my handwork wasn't as quick enough and I didn't know of like the feeding technique, you yep. know, like so Orito actually hopped in my F D and drove my F D at that event wow. during practice and he showed me what's up. Wow So on oh, the left hand drive? yes so I was like I thought it was the car or my setup or my suspension I was like dude I freaking it's so snappy it just spins on transition all the time what the hell like it's my car I thought it was my car and Mm -hmm. then Arito just freaking just all over the place just ran that course super clean I was like holy smokes like that's how you do it so wow Arito actually taught me how to transition and drift properly and then he showed me that the FD was super capable yeah even with my setup so I was like Thank you, because back then we were all learning. We didn't yeah. have instructors to show us what's up, yeah, the Japanese pros that came they were the ones that's the experience I, I don't know that, that he up.
0: did that with anybody i I had never heard of that story at all, so yeah,
2: you were Dude, really so lucky
3: I <laughs> got super lucky. did he even talk to you like because does he speak English, or how did that happen?
2: He didn't really speak English, I forget how he communicated, but it was probably like you know. At an FD and and then I don't know I was struggling I guess during practice and then like I maybe weighed him down and then you know I don't know what I did I can't remember how he got into the car yeah. maybe I was like could you show me yeah, something yeah, yeah. I don't but know you asked like, but he but you asked him I think I think so and then I was maybe asking him, like you know the transitions I had problems or something and yeah. then he just he somehow hopped in there and drove and showed me and wow. you know real basic single words that he said but. Just from me watching it in person in my car, like, taught me, like, from then on, like, how to transition. And awesome. Good after that. Like, That's a trip, right too. After-
3: yeah, like, when you're in Japan, a lot of people, well, when the Japanese drivers come here or we go over there, I think, like, left-hand drive versus right-hand drive, like, it's always kind of, it trips people up, right? It's really yeah, hard yeah. to just jump into the opposite side and like do your thing on the track so yeah
2: he's yeah. the man Arito, the <laughs> freaking he's a pro like legend so I yeah mean, like, he had so much seat time i'm sure he actually probably driven left-hand drives at some point you know during all his filming because yeah. they would do like the hot versions or best mm-hmm. motorings where like they would test all the cars and some probably were left-hand drive cars so i mean he was one of the legends that came out and i was like so that was like start struck moment where i'm like oh my god it's a rito and he just drove my car and taught me how to drift yeah holy smokes so that was amazing i really appreciate him for that and i don't know if he was hopping in other people's cars like that i didn't i don't i did not
0: notice that at all
3: well ask and you shall receive i guess yeah (laughs) yeah
2: so i was super grateful for that it's awesome and um that was probably the only drift instruction i got during those days and then after that i was just Learning on my own, and then we did all the drift day events, and mm-hmm. then we would just practice on our own, figure it out. And then later on, when other new people would come out, you know, we were all just kind of to start helping out other drivers and instruct them based on what we knew. So, um, Arredo was probably the only one that actually taught me a little bit about drifting. So, wow. everything else I was, was self taught,
0: you figured that, uh, I think that says a lot about your <laughs> your natural talent with drifting because it didn't, uh, I, I kind of saw you in the early days and you progressed really, really fast. And, uh, I never knew that no one really helped you and that you were self-taught. So, you know, Hey, you're, you're like naturally gifted at,
2: at driving. Yeah. I appreciate that. Like, I think during a time I was so dedicated on trying to learn and focus. Like I went to like literally every single possible drift event I could and everything was in SoCal. I was up North. So I would drive my, fd down that was my daily one and only really car that i had i guess i might call it back then but i drove that car mainly and then um just would drift at every event and i would practice at you know these these were competitions so i would literally just practice and learn how to drive during these competitions and every single like month and event i would progress and then you know i got to the point where at you know from i think drift day five was the first competition and like i was able to like. Run that course cool and I ended up winning that event. Um, so that was like the first win I got in drifting. So I got an award from all that. And then after that, I kind of started instructing with Club 4G. Um, and then, you know, D1 driver search that came up, I you know, shortly after that. And that was huge. Um, that moment, because I followed KG like all through the 90s, and that guy was just like, drift god he's drift yeah king for for a reason and like he literally made the whole drifting into this motorsport yeah so when i saw him at the one driver search like that was like my all-time like driving idol um so i was running my red fd at a time and i was able to do that course well i thought and then you know i kind of just barely made that cut off and then you know at the end when he actually selected me as one of the eight drivers to qualify to get a d1 license that was like like a huge that was a transitional moment in my driving career that was didn't know was going to be a career at the time um that was a pivotal moment because i made the one grand prix event you know for that happened later on and mm-hmm. i got my d1 license as a first group so from that event on i kind of started getting a sponsorship with falcon and, and Apex, um but I thank them a lot. Like Apex, really helped me out, and then they—I got a lot of parts from them at that time to fix up the red car. But you know, uh D one happened, and then you know, ended up destroying it. But it was a good time, Let's, you know, leading up to it.
0: I, I want to talk about that because that was uh that was a big moment. I think I, I don't know how it affected you, but it was a real eye opener for the rest of us. Because we always felt like, uh, you know, when we did the driver search, when we did 10, um, like there was, it, it was dangerous to kind of step our game up, right? But none of us had really wrecked. And to see it with our own eyes, like that is possible. It kind of, you know, I also think we were really young at, at uh, for a certain, uh, like we, we felt invincible, I feel like. Um, A lot of, you know, that just, that just comes with young age and inexperience, right? And kind of to see that with our own eyes, it was kind of jaw-dropping, eye-opening for us. Like, can you take us through what it was like to experience that and, and how did you deal with that?
2: Yeah. So my, taking it back just a little bit of the little incidents that happened before that, like. The FD was a super clean car. I had that recently painted and then, you know, started drifting events and uh, did a U.S. drift event and then there was a tire stack at the end and I manjied and like hit that tire stack at the end and did my first kind of major damage on that. So I was like, ah, and it crunched the door and all that. So going to the D1 event, it was already not a perfect car, but yes, like you're what you're saying about like, you know, not thinking about big wrecks at the time because it hasn't really happened and we had all these parking lot events and the Irwindow events were just still kind of mild where it wasn't grazing walls and things. Yeah. So that was like, I didn't feel any of that in the beginning during practice. During practice, I was running actually really strong where I was able to drift the whole bank and transition and come into the infield. And I was one of the few of the US guys, I was actually clearing the entire bank. We ran very low at the time, though. Yeah, that was the 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 first course.
0: The first course was, you know, you clip the apex, right? At the very bottom of the bank, and then you start traveling back up. We don't see that course anymore, but that's how it
2: started, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so that was the earlier ones, like in driver search. But the D1 Grand Prix, the actual main pro of it, like you the i think the start point was the the initiation at the end of the main bank so a lot of the corolla guys couldn't drift the bank so like i think Ethan whale and all that like they would initiate at the end of the main bank and then lead into a transition go into the incorrect yeah um so but i actually saw the japanese guys start Mm -hmm. nailing the whole bank so i was like Ooh, let me try that like i have some power maybe i could hang the whole bank too and i Tried it, and I was able to have just enough power to hit the whole bank. How yeah. much so power like, were you running? So I was running stock. Well, actually, I had 99 spec turbos, um, mm-hmm. and then it was tuned with a Power FC with Apex. And so it made like I think two 356 horsepower um, at the wheels. Mm-hmm. So That it was, was good the back then, but that was a decent amount of power back then. So I drifted it. But during practice, I messed up one time. So, coming into the infield I spun and actually hit during practice. So, I spun back into the left corner and the front hit as well. So, it damaged, like, my tie rod. And then when I hit the back, I didn't realize it messed up my baffling in my gas tank. So, like... I didn't really have a crew back then, but like Jay Lapid was there with me. And then like he helped me freaking bench on the car and got my car like situated enough to just be somewhat ballpark aligned again in the front. And then the back and we were just scrambling because it was during practice and we only had to qualify soon. So we barely just got the car situated right before qualifying. And then um, we forgot to fill up gas. So first run out, we had three runs. First run out. I. Right when I hit the bank like normal it was sketchy but I still was able to initiate it buckled it like mm. like did a big hiccup right in the middle of the bank and went down on power and was a fuel cut um so the the gas was gas was sloshing in the tank yeah and FD was already known to like have really bad gas uh, baffling in the tank so if you're not at half tank it will it will starve fuel and do a fuel cut mm-hmm. so that started happening on the first run on the bank so I that strained me out a bit on that first run. So on the second run, I had to go harder and then start bucking a little bit harder because it was slowly running lower on yeah. gas. So that second run, I don't think I was able to, I think I was able to run it and barely kind of make it, but it was hiccuping and it was, I might've strained out or maybe not, but like it wasn't good enough. And then like, so I'm like, oh, all right, forget it. Like cars already wrecked. Like I just need to go all out and charge and carry as much speed as possible just to clear it and overcome the fuel starvation. Yeah.
1: So oh. I went <laughs>
2: so I went as fast as I could, hit initiated the main bank, and it was fucking even worse, oh. like cause it was lower on, on yeah. fuel and just kind of stayed on it, floored the whole freaking time, and then it was way off line the bottom, came up really high on the exit of the bank and had the transition really low because of that bad line. Like coming into the infield, it just, the line was off. It was too sharp of an, of an ankle coming back up. Yeah. So I spun. And then when I spun, like I backed into the K wall where it was like not the permanent walls in the infield, it was ahead of that. And that was scary because it was a single K wall at the time. And then it hit so hard that the back rolled up on top yep. of it and basically did a skateboard, like freaking axle yep. grind on top. And right spun in front in,
0: of the judges' stand.
2: Yeah, and there was like a crowd of people there. Yeah. like I was like, oh my god, I could have ended drifting right there. Like I was like, it was crazy. Yeah. So, like, luckily no one got hurt. And then I but I actually have like random like um, people that attended that D one that was there. And this one guy Nate, his last name, like he, I ran into a lot of times. you like, dude, I was there, and I got a piece of your FD like from that wreck. Yeah,
1: like, you know, I still got it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I was the like, oh my eBay. god. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, but I mean, I, it, it, luckily the K wall held up. and yeah. people were all like, not injured. So I yeah. was like, Jesus. So you were in like,
0: the car when it, when it crashed. Um, do you remember hearing the crowd,
2: or do you remember hearing the judges? Yes. So I was in shock yeah. when it happened because I was like, oh my god, I was not expecting that. I thought I was, you know, I was just focused on just nailing a mm-hmm. run. I didn't, you know, but. So I, you know, back then we didn't even have safety meetings, the protocol to know what we would do in a crash like that. So I should have gotten out of the car, but then like, for some reason I tried starting it because the car died and I heard the crowd, but I was just focused on the car and I was like, will it start. And it started and I was like, Oh, it still starts and runs. So I, instead of pulling into the staging area in the banking, which I should have done, I went back into the pit. So I drove back. Outside of the freaking wall and went back into my pit. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here, but I was like all by myself outside in the pit when everyone was in the track. (laughs) So I was like, damn it! Like, so I kind of just was on my own and just you know, like didn't know what to do. But I was like, that was I'm done for the day. So ended up being a spectator after that. But how are you? How are you
0: feeling? Like, what what kind of emotions are you going through?
2: I mean, I was just like, just on this adrenaline rush to just fix the car and just make qualifying. Yeah. So for me to wreck after that, it was just like, I was in this cloud of like, I don't know what just happened. Yeah. I just totaled my car. Yeah. And I was like, oh my Were you God, crying? this is my daily. Was it upsetting? Um. I was, I think I was upset off the first hit already that I like crunched it. I'm like, oh my God, the car is messed up already. Yeah. It was already pretty bad from the first one. And then the second one was like, okay, I really finished it off. So yeah. I was like, I mean, I was definitely sad, um, you know, and like, yeah, I, I was, I was pretty bummed after that. Um, but at the end of that event, though, I got a business card thrown on my, uh, my car and it was at the shop, like, it was like, well, Rotary Reliability and Racing. And they're like, hey, I got an FD shell for you. So wow. I was like, oh, so from that, like, I picked up a shell for like super cheap. I think mean, it was like, it was a salvage title. Like, um, like it was all, I don't know if it was salvage or not, but it was like a stripped down, just a rolling chassis and it, it got in an accident before, but I got it for like $400. Yo, that's nice. crazy. So nice. It was like super cheap. So I was like, thank you. Cause I had no idea how the hell I was going to replace this car that yeah. I can't claim insurance on, yeah. um, or anything. It was my daily, but luckily I had a Corolla in the, that I could still drive around at home. But I was like, damn, I just told him my car, but yeah. luckily I got this one cheap. So,
0: and is that the one that, you have today?
3: That's the one that's i have, the today. One you have today. And and for those so. of you guys listening, like I know if it's if you drove the car off the track, then then I'm sure people are thinking, like, oh could it have been that bad? And so and and to answer your question, yes, and Calvin even he kind of was like awarded the uh like option awarded him. He was oh, on the uh option he's kind did of a, famous and did a video
0: <laughs> and it said Crash Kings or something like that on the cover, and it was your car up, yeah, up on top of the center divider, or not center div- on top of the K rail.
3: Should we we yeah. like crown you like Crash King, like <laughs> give you a crown yeah, right here? I know,
2: oh. and I was worried about that kind of like the the publicity of that, that. Yeah, like you know, on me because I mean. That was the one wreck that I had. I mean, I got the small wrecks earlier, but it was such a huge you are wreck. On, you were people...
0: on a special stage when that happened.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. It was during competition when everything was being recorded and everyone was watching too. So I was, that was a big thing. But there was other wrecks at that event too. Like Tanaguchi crashed in the final round with Ueo Yeah. when he went wide yep. and hit the back and slammed the front. So he wrecked at the end too, but yep. it wasn't. Um, as was, gnarly as a record, yeah, I did. It was pretty crazy. So, yeah, and other people crashed too at that event. um But I guess I just did the biggest crash. And that doesn't make Eastwood you less out.
3: of a driver, That's though. What, like I, I love it. Like I mean, you were you were balls to the wall, like really, really, really trying hard, and your car yeah. was limping. You yeah. know, and you were yeah. still trying to make it. So yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I remember. I remember, remember, so,
0: that. I remember yeah. when yeah. you cra- when you crashed the the judges in the stand. They like got up and cheered, or like you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like.
2: They they appreciate the courage and and the brazenness of it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think so. And it was just spectacular. And like yeah. I I didn't know how that made you feel either.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I didn't exactly know that until probably later when I watched the video after. But I mean, I was. I was just bummed on the car and, but for me to be there was an honor. And then yeah. I did just drive hard. Like I was did. fully committed and, you know, I did as hard as Joel as hard as I could. And then I remember Toshi Ayama kind of like, cause I was talking with him a bunch back then and he was telling me like, you know, you could take that, you know, and, you know, either, you know, run with it and like make something bigger. Cause you're known from that. Or, you know, like, I forget the exact words he used, but he motivated me to, like, use that to just keep going and push yourself. You know, and had a a notoriety from that. And I could have stopped there and not built another car, but I pursued and just said, all right, now I'm going to build a dedicated FD now instead of converting a street one. And I had a Bolton cage and all that. That was actually a prestigious Saito roll cage from the D1 car that Mm -hmm. I got sponsored. So I took parts off of that and rebuilt my new white car and then henry chung from motorsport dynamics like you know spent a ton of time building that thank you so much henry you're freaking awesome but we worked night and day for like months leading up to SEMA 2004 um to make the first event for that car so i got sponsored like a final connection kit um these uh d5r um speedstar wheels Yep. so I had to kind of show that at the SEMA, uh, at the Speeds, the uh, like Star Shield booth that was outside that um, Edvin or, you know, someone that sponsored me back then. So we were grinding all through end of '03 to two, 2004 to make that event. And, but it was just a rolling chassis at that point with no yeah. engine. Yeah. But we just got the body displayed and pushed it in. It was lowered. and. Had the wheels all spaced out where the fitment was cool and mm-hmm. i could dump it really low where like i didn't have to worry about it driving yet so i kind of yeah. had like this show stance on it yeah yeah um yeah but i was in offsets and you know wide stance back then because that japan was already doing that at yep. that time so um i was really kind of anal on wheel fitment and um yeah and then uh the, but henry was awesome like he kind of got that car put together for that of 4 sima but in between that, I had my Koki S14 that I would just drift at random events too, just to kind of get some driving seat time. Mm-hmm. But it was N-A-K-A with in and out and Apex. And Len kind of took some parts off his S14 Zanke and helped me kind of get that car together too. So thank you to Len and Apex and all that. Um, and I did some offs with that, but it was just N-A, so it was a little underpowered, but, you know, broke some stuff here and there, like clutch pedal fell off during that show off. and. <laughs> Mm-hmm. he helped me <laughs> i think jensen kind of helped me kind of screw that back on like, like you know like spot was on i would break and it happened during that event <laughs> um yeah you, so you did uh,
3: go on though to become part of the original team falcon right yes so that's yes. around that time so so tell us how that how that happened
2: yeah so nick approached me at that time and they were Working on building a new team for '04, and we heard that Formula D was starting the Formula Drift season in '04. So um, they were building an S13 chassis, and they're looking for a driver to drive. Um, and I th- they were thinking, debating on kind of doing a driver search for the car. Um, but I had a close relationship with Nick at the time, and with the MyFD, and you know, I was showing up at other events that they did after that. Um, and then I think we met. JR. Von like at this one event in California Speedway, and I forget what event it was, but he trailered his car and spent a lot of money to kind of make it out there. So, that was a
0: that was a Nopi event. That was the when he brought his coupe out, and it was like yeah. the off white
2: with the green stripe on the side. Yeah, yes, yes. So they did some deal with JR at that point um, to run his personal car for next year, but they actually built a brand new S13 with LS Auto with Kevin Wells Mm -hmm. and then Kelvin Tohar was the car manager for that so we they kind of put together the car at LS Auto and they ended up picking me as the driver and just didn't do the driver search so thank you Nick for that we appreciate it and like that was that was probably one of my favorite chassis that I actually drove um you did really well in that car
0: and and something that you didn't mention was uh that was one of the first like full sponsorship where you were given a ride like you didn't you didn't have to work you didn't have to build the car you yeah. just you just showed up and drove it
2: yeah so i was super like privileged to you know get that ride and like you know i know a lot of people were kind of figuring out different teams and what to do for the upcoming formula drift season and a lot of people were using personal cars but i didn't have a personal car and i was trying to get the fd going but it was just way far behind on like a brand new build at the point So, for me to get that ride, I was like, oh, thank you, because I didn't have anything, you know, ready to go at the beginning of 04. So, I don't know if we did any testing too much at that point before that. I don't recall, but I think Atlanta 2004 for Monday was the first time I drove it. Um, So, we were still dialing it in, and, you know, it was, that, that event was amazing because I was like, whoa, first pro U.S. Yeah. Series, you know, and all these guys transported their cars to the East Coast. I give you guys, you props and you, you figured out your own transport to get it out there. And I was like, wow, I had Falcon handle that. But to be able to do the logistics on that that early on, like that's props.
3: Yeah, we weren't balling it like you, Calvin. We didn't have it, right? <laughs> There were yeah, very few then, people like Calvin. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how many people had full rides like you, but it was the minority majority we're all trying to figure it out so yeah
2: so i was super fortunate to have that and i am forever grateful for that yep. um and i you know ran that year you know as, as best i could and i think a podium that sonoma mm-hmm. round i got third so that was one of the early like falcon podiums of that of yeah uh, that year
0: and how was it that- doing that like in front of your home area
2: Yeah, that was amazing, because that event, I brought friends over and some family people, and, like, that was the first time ever to the pro event. And then that that was, like, a super highlight of my driving career early on. And then, like, um, but it was that event with the car was, it was Like I had, I ended up breaking my axles, like right at like the semifinals and like the final four or yeah, final four. Um, and then I couldn't like right at the launch, we were using stock axles at the time. And I think we had like, like this more aggressive, like metallic clutch. Um, and if I rev it up too much, it would have snapped. So I broke my axles off the line. And back then, FD didn't really have all their five meter rules or any of that back then. And right. Car swapping and all that. So, and JR also got...
0: breaking axles was, uh, was a new thing that we were all experiencing because we went from grassroots to doing pro. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden people were <clears throat> upping their, uh, the tire grip on the car. And so, breaking axles, it was not common where everyone brings axles to the track. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it
2: wasn't. So even yeah. Falcon with the team, like we luckily did have some extra axles, but we didn't have, or I don't mm-hmm. know if we actually did at that point, but we weren't able to swap an axle so at that point out. So then I had to hop in JR's car. Um, and That's I never right. drove we that allowed, That wasn't in the rule book yet. So <laughs> they had to the let you. It, it probably changed after that, but right yeah, after. at that point there was no rules <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> that we could swap cars during competition. So I hopped in JR's car, and mind you, Jr. is freaking huge and tall as hell. <laughs> and so, right when I sat in the car, I felt like a little kid where I couldn't even reach the pedals. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, how am I going to drive this thing?" <laughs> so, and I somehow got the seat up and was kind of got was able to reach. And then I had to just run against like either like Samuel or Reese, like one of the, I think it was Samuel, but um, so like got that run in and then like, I, I just remembered
0: that you queen. beat me in the top eight to get to yes, the top four. Yes. We ran
2: together in yeah. top eight. Yes.
0: Yeah. I just so, remember right now.
2: That's right. We were battling each other and that yeah. was a good run that yeah. we did. Yeah. So, you know, luckily like, you know, I think I ran against Reese in like for third place. And Which then, is like, um,
0: crazy because those yeah. guys were on a tear. They were, yes. Reese and Samuel were winning everything. Every
2: single unstoppable. Day. Yeah. And it was Samuel the first year that was just unstoppable. Like, no one could beat him, you know. And, like, so he knocked me out for that. So, that's why I was running for third. And then with with Reese, I was like, dude, i got to charge You had to, you had to drive
0: against freaking... both those guys in one of them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then, so, I ended up, like, Reese went wide on that well, one corner. So, I actually went and I think I got a pass in because uh, mm-hmm. he went super wide and did a half spin or something like that and I was like whoa you made a mistake so I freaking <laughs> took advantage yeah and I was like you know luckily I was able to drive JR's car okay but that's that's the magic of S chassis like S chassis is a very like you know easy like a, to hard-giving. drift cars that had great balance you know so mm-hmm. they're that's kind of like the basis of like you know drift cars in my eyes as well like You can just hop in those and just kind of drive in, you know, pretty decently, even if it's a different car. Yeah. But luckily, I got that win and got my first podium, and that was just huge. Um, It's awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And that kind of put me in a decent place in standings. And then an Irwindale round, like, I felt really confident in a car, at Irwindale, and I made it pretty. Far as well and then i remember running against die on my last tandem and then i was just charging i was like i was like i just gotta stay floored through the bank and just freaking be on it and like i was felt comfortable and i was charging but then my intercooler pipe kept blowing out oh, so man. like we had to do a couple of restarts and they couldn't keep the seal on the intercooler piping and every time i took off it would blow out again yeah. so i was like damn it so i ended up Losing a run from die just because my intercooler piper blew out. But I forget where I placed in that. But at the end of the season, I finished fourth. Uh, awesome. In the championship.
1: Very so good.
2: That so was, that was the best I did in all of my former drift days. And that S13 was just awesome. Like, I love that chassis.
0: Do you know what happened so, to that car?
2: So next year, 05 was the big falcon year. So they went and built a whole new fleet of cars. Well, two cars, like. My G35 and JR's Mustang. So I ended up moving into the G35. That S13 went to Hubert Young. So they painted that the silver and red scallop livery with discount Damn. tire. Um, he drove that throughout the year. But I think he ended up getting into a bad wreck maybe at Chicago's Soldier Field mm-hmm. event, I believe. Um, and then it, I think it totaled. Um, okay. So, yeah. But... That, yeah, we didn't see that car after that, but they had coupes that was still kind of running around, um, at that time. And another hatch that was a teal and blue hatch that Ryan Hampton drove. Uh, yeah. Two FDs like Sago's FD, Tony Angelo's FD, Forsberg had that JDM password as 15. Yep. Um, so we, Falcon came out super strong L5 yeah, and took, took on the whole DA team. And then Koguchi and, uh, Sago was still kind of there, like, demoing at Drift Show Us mm-hmm. with us so it was like kind of like a party year that year in 05 with DA like Drift Alliance would get down at parties big time
3: like, <laughs> they, they would
2: get super drunk
3: We've heard. they
2: would get they would get Kaguchi drunk and Koguchi would get wild like I had no idea like that guy is like super like you know like chill like the coolest dude ever you know and like when he would get drunk like he gets freaking like like <laughs> goofy like while where
0: like give us some give would, us he, some examples like he
2: was at at a restaurant and then he was he straight up just out of nowhere we're all just chatting i think waiting for a food, and he just decided to stage dive and jump on a crowd of people like like other people that were sitting there at our table he just stayed <laughs> Drove and just jumped on somebody, <laughs> and then I mean, there was stuff leading up to that, yeah, that other people were doing, but it was, I was like, What the hell? That's a little crazy, like, yeah. you know, Koguchi. Like, he had like this fun side of him that was just awesome, like, he was super chill and like collected, and yeah. like, you know, he's always too and,
0: cool, he always looked too cool,
2: yeah, but yeah. he did it in a natural way where he wasn't trying, that's just yeah. him, yeah. you know, like, he was awesome. And he was always kind of showing us how to drive. And we did Pike's Peak with him. And he was like freaking manging all the straights and like drifting all the corners. And like, you know, we kind of did certain corners here and there, but he was just freaking on it. Like manging everywhere, connecting all the turns. And he even like went off one time, was laughing about it. He's like, I went off in the dirt, had three wheels up and like, you know, stayed on it and powered back on. So he was just laughing at that moment. And I was like, holy smokes, and it was went off the cliff. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, Koguchi was awesome. Like kind of hanging out with him and in the background, like he was, he was actually a fun, like guy and he would get drunk and get down. Like he was, he was hilarious. So Sego was more chill, but Koguchi got, he'll get wild. <laughs> he was a fun guy.
3: I love it. Um, you mentioned G35, which is kind of pretty, it's kind of an oddball car. So, so tell us like how that came about, um, you were in the falcon g thirty five you kind of made some history with that car with Falcon. um tell us about that
2: yeah, so there was a point where I think roman uh was actually the car manager at that point at that time with Falcon, and he contacted me and was debating between a three fifty z and a g thirty five um before that I actually drove a couple i drove the motor x three fifty z just for a couple of events um you know before that, so I had some familiar with the 350z um but for me coming off of like having different cars in the past you know like the funky avenger and then fd and all that like uh, where i kind of knew that a different car would actually help stand out and then knowing that i think fordsburg had his z already mm-hmm. i didn't really kind of want to run another chassis that someone else had so i picked the g35 to kind of be more different and then i thought the long wheelbase would help um, and be a little bit more stable in drift, where you can kind of um, be on it more and have kind of more like that normal can like style where you could just stay on it and be super smoking. It's a long wheelbase stable drift. Um, realized that the chassis was a little bit longer and heavier to be super competitive, but off the bat, it was impressive because I think 05, like Gary built a good strong motor setup. So we're kind of the early guys to use that VK. Um, BQ and then did pistons and rods and built yeah. the actual bottom end. Gretty actually sponsored, um, uh, the twin turbo kit that they had. Um, and it was like their an kind of off the shelf kit and all that. But like, we work with AEM to kind of get the tuning in. So, like, you know, we kind of had that car like making, I think, like 450 wheel, um, at the beginning of 05, and 450 at 05 was a pretty strong setup. Yeah. Um, so, most guys were still running SR20s at the time, which, you know, mid-300s. Um, so it was one of the stronger cars besides Samuel's Viper and, you know, and Reese's LS car. But even, I think it was comparable to Reese's LS because that was the NA setup that they did. So the long wheelbase actually made it very stable and I could stay on it like pinned and it would, be, it would just throw up a bunch of smoke. So the land around, I was able to kind of like run it clean and be floored coming on the downhill and it would throw up a bunch of smoke on that downhill section. Um so I ended up getting number one qualifier in Atlanta round in that G thirty five. And then later on that year in Sonoma, um this is still back when we we're doing a faint entry on uh doing that. So I was familiar with that. And I was able to kind of battle a bunch of Falcon guys at the time, like I ran against Forsberg and JR and then like um, and I think did I run Reese in the final? Oh, I ran Tanner, Tanner in the finals. I forget what happened with Reese and Tanner. Uh, not like Reese and Samuel that not that event, but I ran Tanner for the in the finals. And then Tanner messed up and went onto that eyelid and went wide, so I was able to actually pass him because he went way off line and then um, ended up securing the win in uh, that event. And I was like, Tanner was new at the time. He was running the McKeen S thirteen, but he was
0: he showed a, hard a lot. charger. He showed a lot of promise for how yeah. inexperienced he was.
2: Yeah, but he was the new guy because yeah. we all ran an O four first. He wasn't running an O four, right. and I was like, "Who is this new guy coming in trying yeah. to show us what's up?" And yeah, then, yeah. like, you know, so I was like, "We've kind of been here. Like, I want to be the first import car win." Like. Tanner's new. Like, yeah. That guy doesn't deserve it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just went hard and drove as hard as I could, but he was such a freaking good driver. Yeah. And then he just happened to mess up, and I took advantage of that and got the win there. So in JR, podium, got third then. So that was a huge moment for Falcon because that was Falcon's actually first professional drift car win, I think. So I don't think anyone in Japan, Koguchi didn't get a win at that time. Um he was the main Falcon driver in Japan. So... Falcon make it, made a big deal out of it where they ended up shipping the G35 to Japan for Tokyo Auto Salon in 2006 and flew me over there. And they had a whole kind of stage. It was on their main stage and then they had a whole agenda for me to kind of do stage shows yeah. there, which was kind of awkward for me. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, like it was, what it was kind of stage,
3: stage show? Like dancing?
2: They had a bunch of these dancers that would do dancing things nice. and I wouldn't dance. <laughs> oh. But then like, like they would bring me in between those acts. And then I did interviews up there and there was like one of the like Tengoku like a uh, host that spoke a little English as well. He would always wear this yellow vest. Um <laughs> And I think he spoke a little bit of English. So I was able to converse with him and like, I think his name was Bomber, his nickname. <laughs> and then, so we did interviews there and then... Other shows was like Rochambeau with the crowd and give out like <laughs> prizes to the crowd. The next thing they call like Jin Ken Sen or something like that, and yeah. I would have to learn that there, and I would do that, and I was like, oh my god, this is so awkward. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know, I'm because I'm you know not as like like outgoing to kind of be on a like a stage like that, but yeah. I just did what I was told, and it was just a huge honor. And then like I remember like. I met Kamakable, you know, and all that from earlier that he came up and we're, you know, chatting and I was like, he was like, oh, wow, you kind of had a big thing up there. And I was just kind of like embarrassed that I was up there <laughs> like that, but I'm like, I'm not as good as you guys down here and you guys didn't have a stage show, but I was just honored to kind of be a yeah. part of that. And like, I guess it was a big deal because Falcon hasn't won a pro event and the G35 did. So I was glad I was able to do that for Falcon. Um and kind of get that win kind of during the 05 year
3: so speaking of Kumakubo, i know that you had an s14 and you were driving at ebisu in japan so tell us how that happened
2: yeah so back in 05 uh, when i won the Formula d event i got prize money it was like five thousand dollars at a time so Antonio Alvindia, like he was um been close with Team Orange and Kumakobo and like he's kinda done some stuff in Japan kinda earlier uh ahead of that, but he kinda introduced me to them. And then we set up a trip in oh five to go to Episu. Um so Kumakobo had like there was a practice S 14 team in Zanki that was kinda like a boost up setup where it was SR stock turbo, but just like higher boost setup with a you know ECU tune for it, all over is, you know, just kind of basic setup, oil cooler, so it was reliable. Um, but they had a car available, and then I was like, cool, like I'm down for anything. And then, um, so he sold it to me for that $5,000, and I was able to get that car. And like, we coordinated a trip with Antonio, and then Robbie and Ashita like super helped out because. We, I met up with him, and then he actually drove all the way from, like, his, you know, he lives near Tokyo area, outside of that, near, like, the, you know, Koda Air Force Base that he worked at, and he drove me up to Ebisu and Fukushima, and I was, like, hours away, so I'm like, thank you, Robbie, like, I would have no idea how to get there on my own back then, Um, so he kind of brought me up, and we hung out up there for that day, and then he ended up driving home, but, like, we, I stayed up there, and They kind of took me on and like i got to stay at this mechanic igu's house like they were just down with us um you know drifting and then you know komako was trying to learn english and all that so like he took me on and like you know we really he took care of me and i was i'm so fortunate and thankful for that because he kind of you know i was sponsored with falcon at times so i was able to get tires and i bought the car that he had and then they were they had a lot of storage around the track Mm -hmm. so they Kind Of reserved a spot for me to park that car, so they took care of that car for like a good amount of years. Like, um, for me, like, so I got it in like 05 and then um ended up selling it in 09, so it was a good four years they held on to it. Then I did three separate FBC trips, and each time I would go out there it would be like two weeks at a time. Falcon Japan, like, um, you know, I had a connection with from Tokyo Auto Salon, and like you know, they. Gave me a set of tires, like a you know, a bunch of tires for me to run that Ebisu, and then Antonio was there and, and um, on that first trip, and we on various trips, actually the last other trips too, but he shot some some photos of it and all that when I was out there, um, and they were just Ebisu in Japan was a lot different than how tracks are run here. They're so much more low key and chill, where you just pay like an entry fee at the bottom. On the entrance, and you can get access to any track, like, that didn't have an organized event going on. So, they nice. had a listing of, like, all these tracks, and they had seven tracks there. It was, like, north, south, east, west, and then, like, school course, land, and tollgate course. So, every one of those were, like, open. There wasn't any, like, gatekeepers, like, guarding it. Like, if you just couldn't access anything that had, like, an organized event that they booked up for a day. Yep. You could drive around the whole thing on your own and just run at a track that was open. And I was like, that was the most amazing thing ever. How much
3: was it to get in?
2: It was really affordable compared to what you would think it is. And I don't remember the translation, and Kamakuro kind of hooked me up at that time, too. So I was like, yeah, they really took care of me at that time. And um, so we... So I went, it was, I went by myself. Robbie kind of came out the first day and hung out, but he had to work. So he had to go back home and he came at the very end of that trip, two weeks, at the end of the two weeks to come pick me up. And then we hung out that day too. So I was on my own by myself that first trip. And then, um, so I was just, it was like a playground. I just, I went to like every single track and just kind of just learned the courses on my own. And like right hand drive was still kind of funky to me, but I, Um, but so I had to learn that, like get used to that, but you know, North course was super fun. Um, and then West course was big, like road course. event. so usually that's where the office is and usually don't get to drift that too much, but there was times where there wasn't events. I was able to hop on that and drift like that big fast track. Um, and that's like drift Bible track where KG did like the race drift, you know, Mm -hmm. session. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm on the same track as that. Like it was freaking amazing. And then South course is like, intimidating because like the front straight it's like it's actually not a jump it's a drop so you see cars jump but there actually is a big drop right at that inner apex so you kind of like drop into that straightaway away and then that pit wall and then that big sweeper that at the time like was a little rougher and had more dirt and all yeah. that and less pavement so it was easy to go off and all that um but my car didn't have enough to connect it straight away. So I would like drift into it, straighten, and then initiate yeah. again. Like kind of like the, the old, old school style. Way. Like, yeah, the old school
0: Yeah, way, under like. 400 horsepower, forget it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> How much horsepower did that car have?
2: So it was stock turbo and just with like a bar boost. So Maybe, like, it was probably, yeah, 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 it wasn't that much. Um, so in the 200s, but it was perfect for like a practice setup. Um, so it was, it was reliable during the whole time. Um, and Kamako would come out at certain courses and would, um, you know, give me input on my driving and how Japanese driving was and theories on how you tandem and how you use your e-brake on how they do. Cause Kamako was like the chase tandem master. Yeah, he was, he, he, he was just incredible chasing and he would, he knew that was the primary focus he wanted. Because that's how you win tandem events. In one event, yeah. like if you can close in and lock on and get good proximity on people, yeah, that's how you win tandem events. So that's why when they, they do demos, he was always the second driver and always had Tanaka lead. But he would follow and get all that tandem chase practice.
0: Yeah, and just to give um, some context on your story, when you were there in 2006, that was um, around peak Team Orange time. When yeah, um they had the <clears> most <throat> exciting uh, tandem driving or uh, tandem battles in Formula... Or not Formula D, in D1, right? So yeah. like anytime you saw Tanaka, com, you know, compete or, or Kumakubo, like you knew you were going to see something really good because yeah. they, they were so aggressive following and um, they, they just had a really good technique to it. And you mentioned yeah. something about Handbrake and I wanted to ask you, kind of what he said because i i know that for some of my friends that are really nerdy about japanese drifting or have been there um so something that i've i've realized or seen or heard is that in japan when they were using the e-brake they wanted to use the e-brake in a way that it didn't lock the tires from the outside where you could see it yeah. um they wanted to use it, I mean, sometimes you do, but sometimes there's also modulating. You just want to slow down the tires yep. um, just a little bit. Uh, like kind of like a foot brake, you want to, it's not just on or off. Yep. But uh, did, he, did he kind of talk about that at all? Or what, what did he tell you?
2: Yeah, so his explanation of what how you use e-brake is, he used it so that when you're in drift, when you pull the e-brake, that actually squats the rear suspension mm-hmm. and loads it up. And when you release it, it's already loaded and you get back on the gas. You it's, more It's grid. already compressed and you can actually launch oh, out. Interesting. And that was that was his technique on like using very few even D one drivers at a time were able to figure out how to gain acceleration in drift. Yeah. And part of it was using the E brake yeah. the drift to to not necessarily like adjust for angle. It's more to like set the car to yeah. like, you know, hold your angle, but be able to load it up and get ready to accelerate and gain acceleration after releasing
0: that that Mm -hmm. nopi event that you talked about earlier uh the one where jr brought his car and um nadine and i got to ride with with team orange i I was in the car with uh tanaka i think and -hmm. you were with kumakubo Mm -hmm. and we felt that (laughs) like right away they were very aggressive with um, loading up the weight on the rear, and like you felt the car jump forward every single time yeah. they did it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they they had that technique down, and they said a lot of U.S. guys would just end up like floor it right off the bat. Yeah, and just be it a lot of smoke. But then you actually have me that drag racing mentality where you're actually thinking about the rear wheels. You're staring with the rear wheels, and when you apply throttle, you're actually gaining acceleration mm-hmm. and like. Feeling the grip and rolling on the throttle yeah. instead of just pinning it right yeah. off the bat, because then you're going to bur- you're going to slip the tires right away off the bat. So you want it to kind of gain traction as you're accelerating. Right. So he was kind of you know I did that at first and just stomped on it a little too much, and he was telling me to back off a bit, yeah, I'm gonna roll on the acceleration, kind of yeah. feel the grip, accelerate the car. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So they had some specific techniques that they use in Japan that was very enlightening and like. You Know they you know, I couldn't communicate like you know extensively, but I got certain tidbits of them yeah. on how to do that, and then like the the vision that you should be having when you're kind of tandem. Um, but I, it was amazing seeing them drive. I got to hop in like their cars. Like, so when I went, they were kind of first building their GDB Subarus. Mm. So Kamakwa had his car first, and that was up and running with the Hollinger setup. I rode in his car in that soft course, and it was. Freaking fast as hell. And he would, like... That was uh, the shift. June auto build? Or was... Yes. It was, right? Yeah. So, the June auto build um, in the championship uh, Subaru that he had yeah. he won the championship in that one. And then he would shift. The Hollinger had such short gear ratios. He would shift so much and get up to fifth gear on the straightaway. And I was like, Jesus, like, you're freaking shifting, like, a lot. Yeah. And just to kind of keep the wheel speed up. Yeah. And then that would kind of help with the smoke. And then it was just really short. So, I was, like, amazed on how often he shifted to keep the power bank going because it's still four cylinder big turbo. So yeah. you kind of have to keep it up top. Um, and then Tanaka had just got his GDP going, um, where like it was his first test day when I went there and I was like, Whoa, I'm going to see how you first get into the car. And like, he never drove it Yes, yeah. modify was the one that built that one. Yeah. And he hopped into the first time and he drifted it like it was freaking like he had this car for a while. Yeah. And I was like, damn, like Jay guys be knowing how to dial their cars in like <laughs> off the bat. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Usually your first build is like you gotta like it's all weird, and you yeah, do yeah. a lot of setup before you get there. But they were there off the bat.
0: Yeah, and I was like, like yeah, let me do some like, donuts first, some figure eights. Let me feel out the car. <laughs> no, let's just send it to yep. Ebisu South Course.
2: <laughs> yeah, South Course first test day. <laughs> just lining the walls first corner. I'm like, wow, like, geez, like, you know, they're like way advanced on that, you know, knowledge of tuning and yeah. driving level. So I was just like, you know, like, geez, okay, you guys are freaking masters. Yeah. So I was like, whoa, because I was there for two weeks at a time. And some of the different trips are kind of getting mixed up on my head on which years it was. But I went three times. Um, And so lots of memorable events. The last one in 09, um, I ended up, they had um, another driver that was a girl. Her name was Sumika. And then she had a 180 that was yellow before. And then they were kind of making her like, you know, down with Team Orange and they were training her every every day there. And then like we they brought her and my car to a D1 divisional East Round. Um, and it was out on Maze circuit. So like that Team Orange green double decker like transporter, they loaded my car and Sumika's car up oh, there. So and dope. I was like, whoa, oh I'm on the freaking Team Orange transporter, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's crazy. <laughs> And then like um so they brought it to Maze Circuit and I competed at a D one. It was a divisional E, so it wasn't a pro level, it was kinda of like street level like street legal kind of style event. <clears throat> and and I didn't fix up my car at all still. It was still that six lock turbo boost up set up at like, you know, mid low two hundred. So I was kinda of underpowered out there. Um but luckily it actually rained. So like, and I drove in every suit when it was raining because it would rain in Japan a bunch. So I was like, cool, like I have a little more power in the rain because that didn't matter as much. So I, the way they ran qualifying was way different than the U.S. Like they do like 15 minute sessions and you just do laps. Okay. And one stopped you and go, it was just like, you do a 15 minute lap and they're just watching you.
0: A bunch of drivers qual- out all at the same time.
2: Yeah. So like, um, they had different groups because there was probably like, 60, 70 cars there. Okay. So they had like group A, group B, you see, and they kind of grouped up cars, like mm. not in particular orders, but just, you know, like you had your number and then your numbers from this number, the number would go out in their session and it was a 15 minute session and another number. So they had practice like that first and then they ran qualifying like that. So qualifying was just, you just did a bunch of laps. Oh, interesting. It wasn't three set laps where you stop and start. It was just laps. So you could get a bunch of runs in and then like they were just judging you okay. on like, you know, watching the whole session. Yeah. So I was like, oh, dang, you guys get way more seat time than us. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Why don't you yeah, do that? That's
0: yeah. hard. I did that. Uh, we did that for a final bout. Was it final bout? I'm not sure. Yeah, it was for a final bout. And for the judges, that's really hard because you're just watching and you have to you have to watch every single one. You have to you have to take lots of notes because some guys might nail it on one run and then do poorly on another run. And so you like you kind of like it's just it's just a lot of work. It's great for the driver. And it's like you need a you need a really good judge to, to judge that kind of format.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's how they run it, because yeah. I was the one and only time I experienced a competition that's in cool. Japan. And then, um but I ended up getting 17th um, in qualifying, and I almost made top 16, like, by one. So I was like, you know, that was pretty cool just to even get there, because yeah. I was in a super low-power car, and there was some, like, sponsored, like, you know, like... um GP sports gallery people that were like had like fully hooked up like street legal cars I was like oh you're running like big power setups you know so I I didn't even have a. I was running a stock turbo these guys all had like big turbos and you know I don't know if the motors were built but it was probably like big you know boosted setups that were you know street legal level so
3: for you and know, you were just a was, visitor, you know. You, you were yeah. there two weeks at a time. How could you even yeah. collect yourself to go compete? You know, that's crazy. Right.
2: And, and that's the first time on that track. I'd never been there, so I yeah. was
1: like,
0: yeah. I, I love so, that uh, you're so humble with with your experience. I mean, you you were kind of uh, amazed that your car was on the the team Orange transport. You're, you know, you're like really appreciative of all the support and um advice that you were given and the opportunities you were given and you know at that point in 2009 you were a 6-year veteran of Formula D you've been on the podium like you've you've accomplished so much and for the, you know the fact that you are still appreciative of those things like that shows a lot well, about yeah. who you
3: are yeah. I know why he got yeah. all those things cuz you're a nice guy yeah. like Calvin's the nice nice guy and I'm going to yeah. I'm going to change gears because I'm going to tell you another story about Calvin being a nice guy as it relates to my car. And he was very involved one. with my my car. Like he his yes. car little, and my car kissed. Yeah. It's like really a funny.
2: Too hard A Little too hard. Like a too hard. Like <laughs> hard kiss. <laughs> like a smashing like,
3: you know. <laughs> like oh god, our car smashed like, <laughs> Our car smashed but not kiss. like that.
2: Oh my god.
3: Um and I, I want to I want Benson to lead the story and then Calvin's going to give his side and Okay. It's a good it's a funny story. I it's funny it's funny to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there was um <laughs> there was a, a yearly event in Lancaster and there was like a it was called the I don't know, something fairgrounds
2: mm-hmm. out there, right?
3: Lancaster Fairgrounds. Yeah, it was be. like Rim of the yeah, World.
2: The Rim of the World, like you know, they they made like a one-off first annual like drift competition. at yeah. Rim of the World's parking lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I like, think later on there were demos and stuff, but they did. They decided to do a competition in two thousand six. Um, and what it 2005. was two thousand
2: five. Was it two thousand five? I think it was oh six. I actually just saw the trophy, and I was like, 6 oh, I got a oh, date okay. for
0: it. Okay. 06. Oh, you just ruined the story. Sorry. No, no, just kidding. No. Uh, so, 2000, whatever, 2006, right? Uh, I think there was demos. There was a lot of drifting going on. So, I think there were some demos. We were
3: demoing earlier um, in the
0: day. I think you yeah. you were doing some tandem stuff with Reiko. Mm-hmm. And then I was... Team
3: drifting Pretty. And hey then hey. I was
0: just doing... Yeah. I think I was just... Was I doing demos in my car? I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's hazy. It was a long time ago. But... Um, I wanted to compete, but they and I had my car. They wouldn't let me compete because I didn't have a proper roll cage. Oh, um, that's why. Yeah, they they were. they no, were he kinda, just wanted
3: to drive my car. They
0: were kind of strict on the <laughs> roll cage. I think I had a I think I had a Cusco, and they're like, no, you, you need something like crazier, right? Like like a like Safety a Gary Castillo cage, like a Gary like Castillo mine. cage. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and it had yeah. to have door beams just and had stuff a name and, drop, you know. And, uh, so Gary's the man, <laughs> so, yeah, Gary's the man, but so, babe, you let me drive your car and 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 I yeah, was like, babe. and I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to compete in your car just because I know it's your baby, and you know, competing, there's always the risk of something happening when you're competing <laughs> in a car, whether it's yours or someone, especially if it's someone else's, right, because you're also not familiar with the car, and so you let me drive your car, and you said, it's okay." Why don't you tell me what you said?
3: I said it was OK because I was going to do a color change anyway because I was just coming off my FD season and it was red and I I love the livery, but it was just I was going to go bling bling and go pink. So it was like right in that transition stage. I was getting our car ready for our wedding. You know that? We got married later that year in September and um, I was like, I'm going to have my car at our wedding. It's going to be pink. So, I was going to do it anyway. So, this was did actually are, the last. Did you also
0: have the S15. Uh, yeah, I had face that stuff but, planned. Yeah. You were ready to that do stuff that too.
3: But, so it's kind of ironic what happened. So, but, I knew that. Yep. And
0: so, that's why. Just kidding. <laughs>
3: Shut
0: up. So, we were that competing. makes me feel better.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do feel bad about any of it. No. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, we were competing, and um, I qualified in your car. Yeah. And. I, I battled either Taka or Hero in top 16, and I won that one. And then in top eight, I battled the other one. The other one. Um, Taka then, or Hero. Taka or Hero, and I won that one. And then it was me and Calvin in the top four. You remember that, Calvin?
2: Yes, definitely remember <laughs> that. Yeah. So... I'll let you take yeah. it now. Yeah, I mean... I remember you were running pretty strong during that time too. And I was like, oh, that's in Nadine's car too. So yeah, my car's It was this.
0: nice because also Nadine's <laughs> car's always been faster than mine. My car was oh. a lot like your S14. It just had an intercooler and a boost controller. And really that oh, was yeah. it. So to yeah. like be in Nadine's car a little bit faster it was nice.
2: Oh, that's cool. So, okay. And there you go. You know, a more proper car. Yeah, <laughs> It like, was more competitive. I was yeah. like, oh, Benson's driving strong at this event. <laughs> So, knowing that, because I saw some of your tandems earlier and you're doing good, I kind of knew like I had to stay close on you to kind of be able to hang and like, you know, drive good. Um, I think I did a lead run first and just kind of ran my line and I, yeah. you know, kind of ran my lead. And then at the, um, on the switch when we we're running tandem, I was just like, all right, I got to stay on you because you're, you're kind of strong. So, we, we had, ran one, that first we had one more time oh yes we did it one more time yeah. that's right forget what happened on that um, I, I but yeah
0: i can't remember either but yeah i remember i was driving well and you were driving well and that first that first run i didn't i didn't really know what to expect and you were on me i was like okay i gotta i gotta get back like i gotta make up for it right and so it was pretty good for both of us so we had it one more time
2: okay cool yeah so yeah, so i remember like yeah this had to stay on you because you know we we're battling on the one more time. So then you kind of push it a little more. So on my chase run, like we ran that first corner and then into that transition, and then like I think on the final corner, that right hander, like uh I was getting ready to like accelerate out of the corner, and then you kind of I think had like a like half spin or you just had a lot of angle and you slowed down a bunch right at the final the the. the finish so right at that point like I was like oh crap like I was just getting on the gas so I was already lunging forward and then I had to like e-brake and try to stop and I just couldn't stop in time because I was kind of real close and proximity on you and I think I nailed like your, you guys is your front wheel fender (laughs) Uh you know what's
0: Uh funny Calvin (laughs) is I think you are so you felt so bad about what happened I think you reversed it in your memory because (laughs) Uh-oh. Because you you were the one, uh, I was the one chasing, and then I, exactly what happened, I was the one that hit you.
2: Oh, was it that way? So it was
3: yeah. all Benson's fault. Oh. Yeah,
0: because I, sma- I smashed the front of Nadine's oh. car into your, I door. don't know, your door, 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 door and front fender, maybe?
1: Right. Okay. So,
0: so what happened was, yeah, so there's the long <laughs> sweeper into like a hairpin. So yeah. we we made it through the the sweeper, and then uh, you were throttling out of the hairpin, and my thought was like, "Oh, like this this part I can get close to Calvin because, you know, um, like it, it was a, it was an easy corner, right? And um and so I kind of was not checking you, and then you kind of like you you did that half spin, so I did I was not right. expe- I was not expecting that to happen there, yeah, yeah. and I went like. Uh, pedal to the floor like right into your car.
2: Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yes, it was backwards in my head for some reason. Yeah. So I felt bad for you did. doing that half spin because I screwed up. And then yeah, so then we had to fix our cars.
0: Yeah, we had to that. fix our cars. I keep going and with the story. We yeah. had to fix our cars and um just like when we were competing at Sonoma when um you know i i i I conceded the run to you right and like when i crashed nadine's car to your car i felt so bad and like all i could think about was how bad i felt for nadine for what i did to nadine's car (laughs) yeah and like i wasn't even thinking about trying to like like piece the car back together and keep competing because they didn't announce they didn't announce who won between you and yeah Yeah. And then, but but you you something. you like you were like right when you crashed like you were in you were in pro mode and you were like we gotta fix the car we gotta keep going, and and I like I just I I didn't even work on the car I wasn't even trying to work on the car, um and then you you kept going so you moved on. Yeah. And then what like how did you finish? You won that one, he right? Won.
2: So yeah, ended up winning. Like Dan Pino was competing in that event, which is mustang drift patrol so we went down together drift patrol (laughs) no so he helped me wrench on the car because there was some stuff bent that could get get fixed we bent some of your
0: suspension i think
2: yeah so we had to kind of get that together and it's jammed on it and got it going and then we faced tanner in the finals so um yeah and tanner was kind of testing his 350z that's right um, with aem at that time and that was kind of before formerly started like when he ran that car i think so it was an early test day for him yeah but it was tanner you know so we're like oh i gotta go hard on tanner this guy's freaking good yeah so yeah but i ended up running like really close with him and ran clean on both lead and follow and he was still new with that car so i ended up getting the win yeah. from that so I was like cool like it was all really eventful leading up to that yeah and I didn't know how my car was going to handle after the wreck either but I just said I just had that same mentality to like, just go like, yeah it's already messed up just yeah. charge it yeah you know, whatever happens happens so yeah. luckily it still held up okay and you know we drove it I drove it well enough to get the win that was awesome so that was that was cool okay. um, and then a- yeah. a-
0: after after the win You walked up to me and you told me, like, sorry, like it was your fault or something. And and like you, you wanted to help me pay to fix her car. And I was like, no, I don't want any money. And you and you like you were insisting and you're like, I have like here's I don't remember. Like you had some money on you that you're like, please take this. And, you know, we took it and it went into like fixing her car. And that was like so nice of you. You didn't even have
2: to do that. Yeah, like I, I felt bad because I knew that I saw Nadine's face and she was like <laughs> super bummed and pissed that her car was messed up, and I knew how much she cared about it. Yeah, and then I was like, "Damn, my bad!" Like it was me kind of messing up, and then like you know, I had like just a little bit of cash at the time, and I was like, "What, well, here, dude? Just take this to fix your car because I, you know, I felt bad. Like I, you know, I felt like I screwed up and caused that. You know, so I don't know. Like back then, it was still kind of like. Drifting mentality, you know, yeah. where it's like everyone takes care of their cars, but, you know, like, if you cause something, it's kind of like you can help out if you can. You know, yeah. We're like nice, common courtesy. But yeah.
0: And that, to, like but... and like you said, um, anytime we were on the track together, there was that common agreement. Like if I don't know, it was spoken, but if something happens to your car during tandem, you, you're responsible for your own car. Yeah. That was kind of the code back then. And so for you to yeah. offer me money, we really appreciated yeah,
3: that. Yeah, that was so sweet. I think I think <laughs> I was in shock that day because I was like, oh, damn, I said it. And then it really happened. And, <laughs> you know, just to see the car like that, I'm like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So yeah. I wasn't I wasn't mad at you. I was just like, oh, snap. Like it was kind of caught me off guard. But um, yeah, but that was so sweet of you. And, and thank you so much. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was so much water under the bridge. Like, yeah. you know, looking back, like it's it's funny and sweet to yeah. me now. Or probably the day of, yeah. It that was, that it was stung <laughs> It
0: was it was a really yeah. high and a really low because yeah. people were walking up to me saying like I didn't know you can drive like that and that was that was a little bit offensive to me because I was like, <laughs> I can drive better than this, you know, but you know, people were complimenting me on like how I was driving and then yeah. and then when when that happened i was just like oh wow that changed really fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: yeah good so, story honey. good story yeah um so, but yeah. thank you that was really sweet it just shows like what a nice nice person you are calvin like for sure like every all the good things happen to calvin it's like he's just he's a nice guy yep. so the yeah, nicest guy in drifting and the crash king you got like you got multiple got titles right here uh, and you yeah. and I are also kindred spirits because you were a fast and the furious stunt driver so yes, tell us right tell us real quick about that because that's kind of fun
2: yeah so that was crazy because um we kind of were on the sets on different times so we didn't get to like hang out or anything but I got brought on on this one scene where Nila was drifting our RX-8 in oh, the mountains. Okay. So and I'm Neela. Like, I'm Neela. So you were their double. I'm, uh, d- yes. I'm Neela. But I was working with, like, the second unit team. Yeah. And so real Neela, and then, like, and, like, this. So who was? Who I think Reese was like the acting <laughs> Nila at that time. So, <laughs> so, so, so Reese Nila's had like a hands.
3: I was Nila's hands and feet, and then Reese was Reese her was body. Her face.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, so Reese was driving the RX-8. and then Samuel was driving like um, a different multiple cars at that time. I don't think that Mustang was there, the green Mustang at that at that scene. But he was driving something else. Rich Ruggler was driving like one of the, the chasers. Um Alex Pfeiffer was there and there was like a golf like R thirty two that was converted rear drive that he drove a bit. And then Tony the Ahapa drove like that oh, wow. um that Bow Wow funky car yeah. the, you know, the end of that or something. But like there was five of us. And then I was driving like this S15 so yeah, like I think has some Shogun performance stickers on the side or something. And then that was the one and only car there was no backup. Um, Some of the other cars have backups because they usually want to have a backup in a mm-hmm. main car. But I drove and it was all shot like outside Dodger Stadium, like I think Griffin Park. And it was like a fire access road there. And it was narrow where like two cars could barely fit next to each other. Um, and they had a water truck and we shot all at night. So yeah. like right at sunset, we start shooting and we shot till sunrise. And like they had a water truck that wet the road and it was five corners, and each corner was progressively longer, so straightaway that we had to link. And then there was a whole, like, helicopter camera that would pan for the wide shots, and then we would follow, like, camera trucks, and then they had other, like, rigs that would shoot other overheads. It was a huge production, and then that was my first time ever on a set like that. Like, Reese brought me on, because um, at, at that time in 05 when we shot, I won Sonoma, so I actually was second in the championship after that win. So, and we kind of shot, like, they were picking, like, people for, that were the top drivers at the time that Reese kind of hand-picked. It was Tanner, Samuel, Alex, and me. And we were brought on to, as like, the stunt drivers at the time didn't know how to drift properly, so he brought us on to drift certain scenes that needed more car, more drivers, um, so drift like drift
0: guys and not drift like what we're used, what we were used to seeing on on screen, right? Is that what you mean? Yeah,
2: yeah. Because stunt guys back then would just do like
0: fishtails, like yeah, fishtails, power slides, the
2: corners, mm. and they wouldn't know how to link and connect and all that, and yeah. not know how to tandem. So we were doing like five car tandems up and down this mountain, yeah, um, and we ran it all night, like tons of runs. Um, it was. Probably like maybe like there was only like like one or two instances where we spun out, and you know, maybe someone did like a light tap. But for the most part, we all drove pretty clean like all night. Um, but it was like a curb to a drop off and then the mountainside on this on the on that side, so it was kind of sketchy. Dang. Yeah,
3: and, and you was had a, no backup, no
2: backup car, no backup Dang. car, a right hand drive car. What like, no. position were you in in the train? So we kind of swapped different oh. positions a bunch. I was in the back on one. I led on one and behind like the camera was the lead car on the camera when I was following a camera truck at one point. And then I hopped in and drove the Falcon FD for a couple of overhead shots too. So dope. Um, and that was Sago's FD. The that SR was right-hand car. And drive with the SR. And then that car was funky because, <laughs> you know, like a SR, you know, with like the low end and you yeah. have to keep the boost up to kind of keep the power band and. You know, like still right hand drive and FDs are like twitchy. Yeah. So that was a little tricky, but I was able to drift that okay. And then the S15 was all stock for the most part, but it had these huge 275, (laughs) like I think even 19 inch rims on it. And I was like, yo, this is like way too much tire for this engine setup that's like stock. Were they not setting
0: up the cars to make it
2: easier to shoot? So they were just picking cars. Like, I don't know who the the car coordinator was, but they were driving cars that were from, you know, people in the scene that, like, I think they had, like, an audition, and they picked certain cars that they wanted, and those cars were selected for certain scenes. And then, um but that S15 was, like, low on power with freaking huge tires. Yeah. And so, but luckily they wet the road down. Yeah. So I was like, cool. So then they actually could actually drift, and then we had have to e-brake a lot in the center sections just to kind of extend the drift to yeah. link all five corners. um But we shot up and down that all night, and um we would kind of trade cars you know at certain points as well but that was fun like we were there two different nights and um shooting that scene so let's yeah Nadine, you had a scene in there you're saying too right
3: yeah yeah i'm just nila's hands and feet you know shifting and shifting, driving steering. and stuff uh-huh. and, yeah yeah because they can't have reese's ugly hands in there Nila. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it's not gonna we, it's not we, a, a good look a Yeah. awkward <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, was That's Reese cool. wearing the costume? Please say yes. <laughs> he had a wig on. Oh, like, sick.
1: Is you know, he wearing a were, skirt? Were,
2: all that? No, because it was just like, you what know, whatever you could see through the window. So it was just a wig and then whatever colored shirt that would match whatever okay. that they were That's shooting at that time. So You should
3: have taken a picture yeah. of that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm i like forgetting in 05 what kind of camera or phone we had. Yeah. I was like, damn, are the pictures? Because I snuck oh, in some my. behind the scenes stuff, but I don't remember where i put those photos them. i gotta dig those you out
3: somewhere find well we can at least screenshot that scene the uh, helicopter scene that you weren't in but yeah it was, airplane, it airplane, shot, airplane yeah yeah, That's yeah. Dope. so Love let's
0: it. let's bring it back uh towards the end of your fd career um you were you started to drive uh your fd again
2: Yes. So for the 08 season, I was supposed to actually initially drive a 350Z convertible um, that Nissan sponsored and then Falcon got it all prepped to display at SEMA in 2007. Um, They had my name on it and then it was just like a display car with no engine at that point, but I was supposed to drive that convertible, Falcon Livery 350Z convertible for 08. But it was a Nissan program they wanted to run like Like the VK engine series at the time. And then, like, they were working with Hasselgren. And the power band on that Daytona prototype Nissan motor was really high. And they wanted to have more power band down low. So it was more suitable for drifting. So, um, not sure on all the logistics that happened, but Hasselgren wasn't able to kind of re engineer that engine to get that done in time. And Mm -hmm. then I was using my FD as a backup initially until that Z was ready. So, every so i went to the first round of long beach with it all white um and then atlanta round they're saying that like that z won't be ready yet you're gonna need to run your car for a bit longer so i wrapped it all in falcon livery so that atlanta round in um that uh, was the first time that my car had the full falcon livery on and it was like that um for the rest of the season so that car the z ended up like um not getting finished that year. Yeah. Um and they decided to do a, go a different route with the engine program. And then I like, think um like ASD came on board and kind of built that car instead for Tyler McCoy the next year instead. And then they went away with the Nissan program. They right. built some race LS based type engine instead. What, um, what was
0: that like um driving your own car <clears throat> in Falcon livery? I mean, uh I think I think maybe what some, a lot of people don't realize was that a lot of the Falcon livery cars were personal cars I mean, throughout yeah. the years, right? It seems yeah. from the outside, it seems very prestigious and that you're, you're given like a works car. But like behind the scenes a little bit, like you kind of see that it wasn't really like that all the time. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I was kind of caught off guard. I didn't really have my car prepared to be a fd competition car it was always a backup car that right. did demos in yeah so my motor was the same motor that came off my old red fd from d1 which was a stock motor but it was actually a 99 or 2000 motor cool. um from a clip that i bought um that blew up the original motor on the skid pad thing and so i had a 2000 spec motor but still stock unported and then i ran the apex Um, at that time, like the AX7582, the smaller turbine, but it was still their top IHI kind of turbo that came off of what the O three 3 Apex car ran. So it was the same turbo off of that, that Len and Jensen kind of put together. And I ran that turbo on my setup. um, That was from the U.S. car? From the U.S. Apex car. So the straight up same turbo off that car, because they upgraded to a RX6 turbo.
1: Yeah. And then,
2: so I ran their own, um... Uh, that seventy-five, eighty-two turbo with the stock motor because that's what apex ran in 03 and they won the championship in japan with that stock engine mm-hmm. that turbo setup so i had that the whole time but it was making like maybe like 380 something at the wheel yeah. with that so it wasn't a ton of power and then in 08 like people kind of stepped up the power game yeah. like they were a lot more they were kind of pushing five six seven hundred yep. you, know, you know around that time not sure exactly probably more like 500 or so at that time yeah so like um yeah so it was a bit under power but i ran with it for like probably four rounds and then i was like you know at some point i need to upgrade the motor because if i'm going to compete for the rest of the year like i need to kind of be at a higher power level so i can compete yeah so were, were they
0: helping with... you out uh was falcon helping you out with like funding or sourcing parts since you i mean you were you were rocking the the falcon livery right but it, yeah it's really your, your personal car
2: yeah yeah so at that time i ran it with how i had it initially yeah. the first couple of rounds but then they um had race tune or garage boso at the time with mm-hmm. frank uh so frank was actually building uh working on my car and he was a crew chief and like, okay refreshed it before that so you're doing and, uh, during all during this season. in your own garage yeah. So Frank maintained it. So okay. he um, and Ross Petty, like he was running his own program and Frank helped build that S15 that he ran during that time too. But um, Frank was the main one working on my car. And then like it was stored and um, maintained at Garage Boso okay. in Gardena. And then like he kind of did some minor upgrades but ran the same setup pretty much the whole time until like right before Sonoma round like I had a um another motor built so Dave Gibson that used to run speed machine in San Diego that was a hardcore rotary guy that guy worked with ASD with Ian Stewart and North Carolina and he built me another motor so I had another motor I shipped out to him. He race ported it and assembled it and shipped it back to me. So Frank dropped it in before the Sonoma round. And at that point, like I got I had some body damage from Seattle. So I switched it from the Sea West version two kit, kit to like the Vertex arrow. Mm-hmm. And the Vertex arrow actually got off the Apex original car too. Um, and I used that arrow, wrapped it in a factory livery and had a new motor. So last two rounds, I ran with a stronger motor setup. Um, but I had to do a lot of the work with the graphics side cause I had to wrap it and do the new arrow. So yeah. I kept the car up on my side yeah. did all that. And I was still scrambling to get the graphics in at the event and all that. So yeah. like I didn't do as well as I liked with the new motor setup. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of tougher maintaining the car cause it wasn't always at garage So, and then when it was with me, I had right. kind of some work on it too. And I had to get the car to transport to Falcon's rig and Falcon sometimes picked it up at my uh, parents' house's garage where I kept the car at. And yeah. then like that whole rig in the that's a freaking neighborhood it was crazy. <laughs> and, and I would load it up there and they would ship it to an event. yeah So oh. like, um, yeah, so it was, that was kind of like. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work that season. And then I did some other events with it, like um, a red line time attack that did like um, a drift a class time attack and then uh, a drift demo and then it was drift class that ran so i ran that solo all by myself and i yeah. ran into issues during the event and i just i wrenched on it and drove and it switched from a grip setup and did a time attack right and, and won the drift class in it and then i switched it to a drift setup and it was more like tiger style stagger just suspension yeah dampening changes and then um did drift demos in it as well all through the big willow course uh, section and all that so i would go to events solo all falcon liberty yeah, yeah. with my open trailer like yeah. freaking transporting this falcon steam car all yeah. through san francisco to freaking socal
1: yeah
2: um and just run events all by myself um a lot because i wanted to get extra seat time and then there was events that would come up that i need to be at so a lot of it was solo, and then at the big events, Falcon transported it to those yeah. events in the rig.
0: And uh, something I didn't realize until we started talking before this interview was like your FD—you know, it's white, it's red. Falcon livery then white, and when it was white, you also like you had you had the the vertex arrow, and you had the apex sticker, and uh, and then you you were mentioning. Um, Sago's car with the sr in falcon livery there were a lot of fds sometimes they were in falcon livery sometimes they're not it's really easy to get confused on what car is what what still exists what is gone um yeah. can you can you uh and, and you you said that people hit you up and like they they're confused too on what car is what can you like yeah. break down break it down all the the, the apex fds The Falcon FDs and your car.
2: Yeah, for sure. So during like the 03 season, um, I mean, I had my red car at the time. But when it switched to white, like Apex had two cars that they built in Japan, like the 03 car and they did a wide body car. They ended up converting both to wide bodies. Um, But Apex Japan built two white FDs and they both ended up having a Ridge kit, a Vertex Ridge kit. U.S. side uh, started with like the non-rich rich kit that Apex R&D um, or Jensen and Len built out yeah. and Gary as well. And just
0: really quick that on was, that car, um, I think maybe because it looked identical to the Japanese car and it was designed that way, people don't really yeah. realize that there was a U.S. Apex FD that looked exactly like uh, Imamura's car.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, it so was just used,
0: it was just right hand dri- or left hand drive, and it had yep. like an audio system in it. So you don't they, really uh, know.
2: Yes, they did it too. They were sponsored by Alpine, and it was for like a SEMA show that they had to display that. So they did audio on it. But during the events, it was all unbolted, and they could take it off, which yeah. was pretty cool. Um, but yes, there was like three Apex cars, US one US, two Japan cars, and then my car. I painted it white. And I always wanted a white FD like before I even knew of Apex, uh, this builds and all that. And then like, um, I painted my car, uh, white after my red car, um, in 04. Mm-hmm. And then like, but I got sponsored a different era. It was like final connection. So I wanted my car to look different than the Apex car, but I was sponsored by Apex. So I shared a lot of parts. And then I had like the 57 Pro gram lights that were the gold and the, with the, um, like, not two piece style lips. Um so I ran those wheels that Apex also used in the first version car. So there was times when I ended up switching it to like the white vertex kit and my car was white that had those wheels that kinda had like the version one Apex look
1: yeah. to it. <laughs> um,
2: and then I also had a sponsored a C West version two kit. So I ran that with the Falcon Livery and and White before that. So I had that with different wheels. And then um yeah, so my car, you know, some of the Apex guys was even mentioning before, like it was kind of like the unofficial like sister to the US uh Apex car. Mm-hmm. Um, because I literally used exact parts off of that car. Right. Like their vertex kit, their turbo setup. Um, and then I bought from Len actually the bigger AX7592 turbine, the bigger IHI turbo. So when I did my newer motor with the ported setup, I ran a bigger turbo. Um, and I'm not sure Apex would use that one because they switched to RX-6, but I got that from Len and I used that setup for my my upgraded motor build and ran that for um, for a while. But at that point, it was wrapped Falcon livery. So with the Falcon FDs, it was actually <laughs> a lot three... Three U.S. Falcon FDs that competed in Formula Drift. And then there was actually a fourth one that James Dean had out in Europe's side. Yeah, That was a fourth one that was a little bit different. Um, but the three U.S. cars, two of them were built in 05. The main first one was the one that Tony Angelo uh, drove and built um, yep. in 05. And then Sego Yamamoto had his SR right-hand drive FD. He only competed that in that one year in 05. Yep. And then I'm not sure what happened to that FD, but it either got put sent back to Japan or something like that. And then he, Seiko, started driving other cars like the S14 and yep. he brought his Chaser and all that. So that car had, was short-lived, but that was the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift car too. So it, that was the right-hand drive because they wanted everything right-hand because it was supposed to be Japan. Who mm-hmm. were at. Um, but Tony Angelo's um, car was what, he drove in 05 and then after 05, like he moved on to do his own program. So that car was available and then it ended up being my backup car a bunch. Okay. Um, when I had different incidents with the G35 and I would hop into that FD. And then we did your show offs and demoed in that car. Um, and I even ran at like the Driftmania, like Canadian camp championship okay. and did one event in that Yeah, up there. Um, but yeah, FDs were a little tricky. That setup on that car, I was never fully comfortable with. It felt different in my car, maybe because I had like solid bushings all around. Um, So I didn't do as well in that car as I wish I did. But I did place top 16 at Wall Speedway, like in that car, and then in a Formula D event. And then I did a D1 event in that car and my car. Um, So I did have some decent amount of seat time in that
1: various. Falcon FDs. FD. Yeah.
2: And then that car got kind of, like, used as like just a demo car that would give corporate ride-alongs during SEMA time and other things. And then Is that Falcon car eventually...
0: still around for demos? I, I think so, there is still an FD that I see.
2: So Falcon sold that FD okay. y- years ago. And then there was another, like, kind of Pro-Am driver, Noah, um, that bought it. And then he did some Pro-Am events with it and just wrapped it in black. Hmm. And then um, there's a guy out in East Coast that's kind of buying a lot of, like, famous yeah. D1 cars. And, like, he bought that car from Noah, unwrapped it, and showed the Falcon livery. And he has he owns a restoration shop that restores, like, all these exotic cars. Right. So he has a kind of big shop that can restore cars at a high level. Um, but he restored it recently as of last year. And then... Has been displaying it at different places. So it's back to like the original yeah. old five spec. Uh, so that Toyota.
0: guy Noah that bought that car was uh, was he the one that was driving it really hard and it was starting to look really beat up? That yeah. was that yeah. was the one. Okay,
2: that was that Got was it. the one. Yeah, yeah. So that, I didn't follow how many things that you did with it, but um, that was the the original Falcon car. Got and it. Mine was wrapped from like old eight two oh oh nine in okay. falcon livery,
0: and then while we're on the subject of cars that you were driving in fd towards the end you were driving an s15 yes. it was an s15 in falcon livery and there was a significant importance behind that car
1: yeah and i ask so... i
0: talk about it often in a lot of interviews i bring it up <clears throat> was it this car was it that car um can you talk to us about that s15
2: so, that S15 was the 03-spec HKS RS1. So, that was that the, was the red... car, the, the original first version that HKS built for Taniguchi. Yeah. So, that, that was, was the, the
0: That was the black and chrome, not the red and yellow, right? Or did it have both? So,
2: uh, I think black and chrome, I saw in one event, Keiji drove it and actually crashed that one. So they might have built another one, but it was the one that Tanaguchi competed in all of O3. Yeah, in. that
0: was the one and where the, the first D1 was here and he lost to
2: Ueo in it. It was that yes, car. Yes, yes. And so he lost to Ueo. He tapped the back and hit the front on that O3 event. Um, but they did the whole O3 D1 season um, in that car. And then in 04, they built the RS2. That was like a higher level build yeah. uh, that they did. A lot more fabrication, so, more horsepower, all of that. Yeah. But it was interesting seeing the RS1 because the rear subframe was actually notched like an inch up. And then where the subframe sat higher in a unibody Okay, uh, just to kind of keep the road centers, you know, like better. But it made the car like have a lot of like forward bite. Mm. And then like it would want to strain out a lot. So I had some a little time getting used to that setup um it didn't handle like other s chassis um so it was a little tricky to drive at first but then i got used to it um but it was always like right hand drive wasn't my normal comfort but it had an hs sequential which made shifting easier yeah but the hs sequential was like hard to shift you have to like really force and bang it in hard it looks like it when you see them shift yeah, you have to like use a lot of force to engage it. Yeah, if you went too soft, it wouldn't get in gear, and you would just be in neutral, and it'll strain you out. Yeah. So like that hurt me a couple of times, but then I think it was better that I had that versus like an H pattern. But I wasn't used to sequential, so sometimes I would get confused on what gear I was in. Yeah. So, you know, go up the gears and then I downshift and it didn't have a shift indicator to mm. show what gear I was in so I was like oh crap I don't know what gear I'm in I'm just gonna try this gear out and run it you know so <laughs> it's yeah, like but,
0: <laughs> playing memory games while you're competing it's like I don't need another yeah.
2: challenge here yeah so it was kind of tricky actually yeah. and then but it was just such an honor to drive this car that yeah. I idolized along with the apex FD, for sure know? those are yeah. my one and two cars that everyone would you know like be idolized and then for him to be able to drive that was freaking amazing. And then like on the, the passenger airbag um, setup, they took it off and blocked it off with a carbon plate and they had a sticker that said knob tenaguchi and, yeah. and then the character and now yeah. the whole HKS team that worked on it.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: And then like, you know, so I was like, "Don't touch that. Leave that there because yep. that's the only remaining remnants of it being in the RS one like right. version." Mm-hmm. And um and before Falcon got it, like um, Daigoro drove it yep. you with know, like the Pac Rim team, and yep. it became a rock star car and all that. Yep. And he was very successful in that. So, props to Dai for driving that thing better nine days because that guy's an awesome driver. Um, so, but, but the
0: car changed a lot between him and you, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, it did a bit, but then it was still HKS style, which mm. was cool. So that motor was like one of Jerry's backup motor that I think he had. And it was like a brand new built SR stroker motor that okay. was just like the pinnacle freaking SR. Like, I remember the, uh,
0: the tuning philosophy for that car was um, make it uh, like very responsive. So it wasn't peaky. Yeah. It was the power band was very broad and even. And so kind of it kind of didn't matter where you were in the rpm band like you didn't it wasn't not difficult to drive which which is yeah. what i remember i don't know if that's
2: how you got it yeah so it actually had a good torque band it was super responsive yeah. it had power like throughout it was a big power band like compared to my like stock s13 motor with the big blitz like um t5 like yeah. KK turbo that yeah. blitz had on like that thing had nothing until 5,000, yeah. and then it had a big meaty five to 7,000 power band. Yeah. But that stroker kit, dude, that thing would rip at like 3,000 yeah. and up. And that thing had like so much response. Like mm. I was like, wow, that felt, it felt way stronger than my FD. Yeah. So that was the strongest car I had, and it felt more responsive than the G35s, VQ even. Um, so that was the strongest car I drifted, and it was like in a 500 range at mm. that time. And that was a lot for an SR um so like that was and it was super solid all year like it didn't break anything on the sr and mm-hmm. i built other srs as for my 14s that, that i had a little trouble with and blown up some motors but that motor was solid so um yeah i was super honored to drive that and it kind of came full circle for me because it's like i started off idolizing that and the uh, apex car and ended up building a car that represented that and then like S chassis was my other route that I kind of had with my 14s and then yeah. ended up with the 13s and ended up with the S15. So that was a car I idolized back in 03 as well when it was out. And I was like, whoa, to be able to drive this was just an honor. So like, I really appreciate that opportunity. Yeah. But
0: yeah. Thanks for sharing that story with us. I love it. Um, so you, while all this was happening, you also wrote a drifting book.
2: Yes. So Antonio lined me up with that because he wrote a drifting book. Yeah. I um, headed out with Motorbooks. So Antonio lined me up with a publisher and then like um, convinced him to title it Calvin One Drifting Performance Handbook. So I wrote that. It took way longer than I had thought. And it was a huge project. And like, I'm not a, like a big author writer thing. And then yeah. like, you know, but I was able to pull it off. But had to ask for extensions to kind of get it done. It was how just like a big project. Um, it took probably like a little longer than I think they gave me initially eight months, but I took longer than that. Like mm. it's very
0: technical and it's a very big book, and so yeah, I, I can only imagine how difficult it was to write that. And you know, drifting is a very visual um, kind of thing or something where you have to experience to. So for you to Put all that in words that's hard
2: yeah yeah so i did come up with that and figure out how to break that down and show some history and racing techniques and then yeah. the drifting fundamentals and then i kind of came up with concepts about like how you break traction. It's either you break traction by accelerating the wheels mm-hmm. um, and breaking traction or decelling the wheels into yep. um, so there's different initiations or you just weight transfer. So I kind of yep. broke down different types of and initiations. That, that was really
0: good. Uh, I remember reading that and I remember always thinking about it, but for you to put it into words and to categorize the different drifting techniques into those three things was genius. That was really
2: good. Yeah, appreciate that. And that didn't come from anywhere else. Like, I just came up with that on my own. Mm -hmm. And then it was kind of based on, like, the Drift Bible had all those different techniques, but it wasn't organized. It was just, like, you could do all these different initiations, you know. Mm -hmm. But I kind of categorized it in those three ways. And then, like, and Antonio did all the photography on it. So we did a Japan trip, one of the Japan trips. We did a lot of photography that went into the book. And then he sourced from prior photography that he shot that went in it. The one thing I really regret that I didn't do was illustrations. I wanted to get illustrations in to kind of really show like, you know, initiation points, breaking zone, apex and all the line control of it. I didn't like, you know, I couldn't find a way to illustrate that properly. And then I kind of ran out of time with like the writing portion of it. So I'm like, damn, I just used photography to illustrate that, but I didn't get the illustrations out. So I, disappointed myself that I can get that in but I did work on another project with a friend um, Alistair Capati with Drift Sumie so that's right we did a whole drifting app that was all about illustration and like line traced drift lines on it yep. and so it would populate a course in this kind of like nice zen-like sumi art and then you would line trace your drift line and hit outer clipping zones, inner clipping zones, and do, like, the ideal drift line. And you get credited on the points and how fast you drew the line. And yep. then it would play back that drift line that you drew, and you score and advance the next levels. So I created, directed all that, and then I was, gonna to hold, like, gonna had a whole, like, had a dev guy build out the coding for it. Yep. But this was really early on, like. 08 era like where like it was os4 i think that yeah. you know, we, even, we even tested on the original iphones and it was only iphone based um and it was really successful initially it got put on like new and noteworthy and staff yeah. favorites it was really and, like, cool banner ads so we're like oh cool and then it fell off and all these other ads kind of pushed it down and then like every os that came out would break it yeah and it wouldn't launch and by os6 time it like killed it and yeah. our deaf guy got a full-time gig and then only he knew how to do the code because it was super custom so it kind of went away yeah um, but i feel like i kind of like redeemed myself for not doing illustrations in the book with that app mm. but it, it was a little bit short-lived yeah maybe
3: you can do a second edition for your book
2: yeah maybe i'll figure <laughs> out something i don't know if they want mean to rewrite another one but can can cool. people
0: still get that book today
2: I think they had digital copies actually for a bit. They only did like one initial print run yeah. of like really? 5000. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And and there was a small batch and then they never reprinted. So every all the copies that were out is all that's available. Oh, so interesting. I of didn't of know that. Available. Well,
3: I have one.
0: Yeah, you have one. Did you know um oh, cool. did you know that when we were doing like it when drifting pretty was kind of a uh, I mean, it's still educational, but, uh, when we were doing a lot of education to the members about, you know, drifting and we were doing a lot of learning through books and videos and stuff, that was a required book that we had the Drifting Pretty members buy. I don't know if you knew that.
2: Wow. No, I had no idea. Oh, that's cool. So you were a part
0: of the Drifting Pretty curriculum.
2: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I would, I really appreciate that. Like i just wrote based on what i knew and i was trying to set it up a way where it's educational um and i would have random people come up and say hey like i have your book like you know it actually taught me some things so i was yeah. like oh that's sweet like i'm glad i was able to contribute in that way at least you know and i did other instruction at events hands-on with people and do a lot of write along. so like the book kind of complemented all that um so i'm glad people actually did use it and hopefully it helped a little bit but um yeah, like I'm glad I was able to get that out there. Yeah,
3: yeah, definitely, and and you know I I would tell the girls like oh yeah, this is my friend. He wrote a book, and it was like <laughs> it was a big deal, Calvin. And yeah, like I I wrote a book, and like I know how it is, and that's in your book had so many more pages, and I'm just like, how do you? I don't know how you found time to do all that, so and drive because yeah. that was still when you were driving. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was
2: Definitely doing all the events, but props to you on getting your book out because I Thanks. got fed with like this big publishing company that kind of did all the back-end work yeah. you know, for you to be able to get down and do it all on your own and publish your book. Man, like, the that's book huge. game
3: is tough, guys. Mm. Self-publishing yeah. is no joke, but yeah, but yeah, so, good for you. Five thousand books is a big amount of books, like huge. So yeah, love yeah. it.
2: So appreciate that. Thanks. Speaking yeah. of, yeah.
3: of you know, people learning. I know that since, um, you know, you transitioned over to your retirement from Formula D, um, you know, you went on to get married and have three beautiful kids. And, um, you know, I kind of want to talk about current day for you now. And, um, you know, I know you're bringing up kids and they can see the internet now and find out about dad and, and, you know, tell us, tell us how things are now as a parent.
2: Yeah. So the kids pretty much consume our whole entire schedule almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're, they're pretty busy with all the activities they're in. Um, that was a big reason why I stepped away from drifting. Cause I had my daughter in 2010 and then I, my last stint was 09 with Falcon and I was trying to run my own program. Um, Economy wasn't good. I didn't get the engine sponsor I wanted, and I was building a three hundred and fifty Z at the time. Um, But I had my daughter. I was like, I can't spend money running a program. Um, I was kind of using this career, and I was getting paid at that. Before that, so I decided to step out and then like go back to school, got a degree, you know, and all that. Um, But like raising kids and being able to be at home and not travel like how i used to do in events was amazing like just seeing them grow and they grow so fast um they are in a lot of activities like with softball and baseball and then um so all three of them like so chloe um, is now um, 13 case is 11 and camden is now 6 so we're kind of in the meat of like them doing all three of them in activities. Mm-hmm. We're outnumbered now, so Leah and I would like <laughs> scramble <laughs> like getting them to their events, which is crazy amongst our normal nine to five work schedule. Um, so we get a lot of parents' help. So thank you to all those parent friends that help us. Thank you. So, um, but yeah, like we kind of do it on our own without actually family babysitting and all that. So we're, we had to struggle and grind a lot. Um, but my son, Case is super into cars. So ever since, you know, you have those signs of like, what you want to be when you grow up. Mm -hmm. Since preschool, he's always said, I want to be a professional driver. Like I want to be a race car driver.
3: Like my dad. So
0: so he knew, (laughs) so he knew um, at an early age, what you were,
2: what you were doing. Yes. So I guess he knew from, I guess, certain things. I wouldn't like show him a bunch of videos and yeah. things off the bat. Like he kind of asked and I showed him here and there and yeah. I would have my Hot Wheels and we got super into Hot Wheels and yeah. collect a bunch of that. And then like, um, you know, so we just, he just liked cars and he would play a lot of video games and they would play Gran Turismo you know, I would show them what stuff at first and then all of a sudden they would start of smoking me. Like, Damn, I can't hang with you guys. And then even Camden, like, you know, he's super good um, being five, six years old at playing Gran Turismo where he's beating me now. Uh-oh. I'm like, dang it, dude, I gotta get my freaking video game skills Did you get them a by-
3: simulator? <laughs> That's i want next, to
2: right i i want to yeah because i used to play video games a lot because like i rented ps1 from blockbuster just to play this <laughs> wow. game called tokyo highway battle with wow. my friend like ed leong and San of state days and then our dorm and we would stay up all night playing that in 96 and then get all pumped up and go drifting after, yeah. after playing that game because it's all about drifting yeah So, like, I used to be good at video games, but it was like old school controller with the dials, you know, push directional buttons. Right. And they're all good with that joystick style. And then, but we haven't translated into SimRig, which I want to get at some point soon, but they're just really expensive and I'm wanting to get one at some point. But Camden also plays like FR Legends and he gets a bunch of cars and he could drift on the iPhone like super good where he even built my FD and could run Irwindale like legit. (laughs) I'm like (laughs) crashing all over the place. (laughs) So I'm like my little six-year-old schooling me, dude. So both my boys are into cars. Um, So Case now like has, I had him going into the junior league at K1 speed so in 2000, um, last year, 2022, we ran the entire season. We had to skip a year because of COVID, but he started right when he met that 48 height level, took a break during the COVID year and then got back into it and ran a whole season last year. And then we skipped one round because we had to go on vacation, but he ended up finishing the whole season and won the whole thing by one point. So he was last year's champion oh in San Francisco location. So after that, I was like, all right, you're down and move to the next step. So friend Jay Lapid had some old Tony carts, like a cadet-sized cart, and an adult cart. so I bought two carts from him, one for myself so I could train him and do drills and all that during the off-season, and then one in his size, and I had the correct motor for this Rock Sonoma Series that races at Sonoma Raceway on the kart track. So we prepped all off-season, and I did some drills and racing uh, drills with him at different various locations at Sonoma a bunch and then I start having him compete at Rock Sonoma from round one this year uh, through this whole year as his first time in in outdoor karting so he's 11 and then in a mini class they could have kids at nine years old to 12 so he's actually older getting into it at 11 so he only has one more year at 12 years old to kind of get this cadet kind of kart class in so this is his development year He's still learning how to break a bunch because in K1, he just stayed on it didn't break. So <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm
2: like, K1 kind of teaches bad habit sometimes. But um, the outdoor karting, he's learning a lot. And then he's progressing really well. Um, and he, you know, there's some guys that's been in it for years driving. So he's like the youngest, least experienced, not youngest, but least experienced guy. But last, like, two rounds before, he ended up podium for the first time and got two third places back wow. to back. So
3: oh my gosh, Calvin.
2: It's in his blood.
3: Oh, I'm I'm pretty envious. I I'm so proud of you. That's so dope. Yeah.
2: So, and I, you know, I got super lucky because I got supported with like awesome crews during my Falcon years, and they wrenched on a car for me. So I was like, so now it's like payback because I'm wrenching on cases car. You know, (laughs) like oh my god, this is so much work, freaking wrenching like all the time, like the whole event and all that didn't realize how much work go-karts needed to do like you know during events yeah um but way i connected with this big go-karting team called speed sense motorsports and then they actually like are taking him on and giving us some, oh some like data training like they would log like speed maps and then data like do wow. data with them and then like show points of like where you can pick up speed and we'll adjust gearing for it. And then review GoPro for during the events to kind of improve lines. Like I'm like, wow, that's how race team works. We didn't even do that during Falcon days. So yeah. cool, like, oh, Crazy. So what's
3: so the, like, what's the end game though? Like, where is he going? Is he going to F1? What's the, what's F1 the F1 or
2: FD? What is it? Oh. So <laughs> I know. So <laughs> initially I was going to have them run, race and like spec me out at 13. Cause they have like a, Team Mazda challenge wow. that you could start racing at 13 years old. So I was thinking of doing that. Spec me out is pretty crazy and you can get stuck in that like this is such a massive thing. And but you know, safety wise, I kind of like actually prefer him drifting and he actually likes drifting more. Mm. So like we kind of went away from trying to go that racing route. Maybe he might get into it, but he actually wants to drift. So, okay, I, oh man, I. Yeah, so I actually kind of threw him in. Um, my friend Milton, or I guess he has some like E36s and 3s that um, we brought out to like a private event at Thunder Hill and did a skid pad. We booked out the small skid pad and I threw him in the, the automatic one and then went through like, you know, he never driven a car ever. But I was like, how can I teach <laughs> him how to drive? I was like, I'll, I'll go off of Gran Turismo licensing thing. Yeah. So I was like, here, go on a straight line and stop at a mark, you know? So you yeah, do yeah. that and then like, Floor it and get there and stop at this other mark and then turn left and do that and do it right and then circles and then did an autocross at the end. So I went him, I got him do the whole Gran Turismo kind of license A testing thing Nice in that track day. So I kind of did, did you it. Get that a, way. Did he get
0: a gold? Like, what is it when you get a, like yeah. a gold license or silver uh, or bronze? I'll, I'll what was what did he get?
2: Bronze, gold, and sometimes I gave him some gold, but I'd yeah. be kind of strict on so you. you know, got to hold it,
0: it back. You out. can't just give him <laughs> yeah. golds.
2: <laughs> he can't just take gold all the time, but he would strive for it though. Cause in the real Gran Turismo, he would keep playing until he gets gold. Yeah. So I was like, that's proper.
1: That's good. Um,
2: but yeah, at the end he started doing donuts and all that. Wow. So, um, I think I forgot to take out Trash New. So I didn't have good footage of him doing it really yeah. good. But we're trying to go back out again. Wow. Um, but I did actually end up picking up another 190E. So I have a 190E. That's a 2.316. That was a daily that I drifted a little here and there. I've done skid pads. It's tried out. But I realized how awesome that chassis is. So super progressive. It reminds me of a 13 on okay. how progressively it slides. Okay. Um, you wouldn't think it would work that good, but it does. And then it grips really good. And I brought the streets of Willow, gripped it. It's freaking amazing. And they even had bushing issues, and it still handled well. So, I picked up another chassis that was a salvage, like, coal part, cheap, beat-up chassis, but it was straight, and rusted And so, I'm planning on building that car up in stages for him to drift wow. earlier on. So, um, but I want to keep it low power at first, because nowadays you got to. just do these crazy you, builds and, like, LS be, off the bat.
0: You got to be Bunta with the build.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's how, water. like... <laughs> yeah in japan that's how they did it so like yeah. remarkable has a drift school like they want low power cars mm-hmm. you had to stay on that small drift course you know like uh, like drift land until you master that before you go to school course and master that before you go to the next course so they yeah. had this very regiment way of instructing at mm-hmm. different tiers so i want to kind of do it that way where it's like you know at least the car levels like keep it na get a limited slip but super low power first, train them like that, get them to learn technique before you use power to That's initiate drugs and all that and then build it up in stages and increase the power. Yeah. Um,
0: build the build then, the car as the skills get built too. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they go hand in hand.
2: Yeah. And then I chose that chassis because every all the other cool chassis from our gen is so too expensive much. now with how everything's going up. I like guess chassis used to be like super cheap but yeah. now they're like freaking five digit money where it's like, dude, like, can't get that cheap like that before anymore yeah. so like you know 190s are still kind of cheaper and there's actually like this m104 mm-hmm. motor that you can build up that's really stout it's like the mercedes 2j so hopefully you're gonna do that swap um kind of work with like you know, dylan jacobson and you know he's the kind of a 16 valve guru guy so i'll you know figure out how to build that car the way i can but You know, that's kind of the plan for case, you know, and I want to get back into driver training a bit, um, maybe work with different programs to kind of get drift training, you know, for some youth and other programs and all that. Um, Yeah, but, and I'm just trying to preserve my car because I kind of look at my FD as like a kind of like a historic drift car, you know, because I've kind of been through a lot of events and all that. So I want to preserve it to keep it period correct. The case is kind of into the older style cars too so no well, surprise maybe. there yeah. yeah but hands
3: off dad's fd
2: yeah <laughs> yeah they all wanted they all kind of idolized the fd and want one of those but i'm like dude you have no idea how expensive yeah, these yeah. I'm I'm never
3: but, gonna happen bro yeah, yeah. oh so that's I'm like, awesome
2: yeah
0: so uh no. what are, what are you up to today that's drifting-related. Uh, you mentioned that uh, that you're working on something that you wanted to talk about.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, like, nothing concrete is just kind of all, like, pre-planning stages, you know, and working with different companies and collaborating with different people. But, you know, I want to get back into driver training, um, kind of do some type of, like, drift-type schools with cars or something like that. So we're still trying to figure that out. I want to do something in terms of like preserving drift history. Not sure exactly what, but you know, like we have there's some iconic cars that are still around. I'm hoping to see more like of these old school cars that are still preserved, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's cool seeing like Final Bout kind of have this older 2000 era builds and like people kind of like embracing that early style and like where things were built at a certain style there's an aesthetic and then there's also like the originality of the the motors that came with it yep. and you do these builds in a way of how it was back then yep. you know it was more accessible so i'm seeing how the current movement is where people just have these massive overbuilt cars right off the bat and they're learning how to drift in these freaking like super strong cars and you just gotta roll on it and it starts drifting already so that's not how we learn like it's right you learn from like overpowering like lower power cars and you use momentum to drift and there's a lot of techniques that you have to use to drift low power cars that a lot of these newer people don't really know. Mm-hmm. So um I'm hoping that there's a movement that shifts back to kind of like how it was back then and use these lower power cars to be able to build technique before you graduate to higher levels. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I can figure out some kind of platform that I can showcase that. Um And utilize that and, you know, maybe with some events, with some iconic um, historic drift cars and all that, and so it's all kind of just in my head, you know, kind of working with certain people to maybe do something, but...
0: I love the idea, and I love the the thought process behind it, and it's, you know, in in a way, it is preservation of the drifting culture, but it's also promoting that you have to have a strong foundation if you want to be Really good, if this is something that you really love, work on your foundation before you progress right and don't skip a bunch of steps um, i'm I'm all for that and if there's any way we can help, let us know
2: yeah I no, appreciate that that's yeah you guys have a great platform of kind of showcasing all these ogs that's been in the scene and let them speak on like what they experienced over the years so you're educating how things were back then by having this podcast so I commend you guys for Interviewing all the people you have and having this platform for people to be able to speak to it because it's hard to bring this up in normal conversations. It, and it really is it anywhere, yeah.
3: Especially if your name's Calvin Wong and totally yeah. humble. I'm sure nobody knows <laughs> everything. Yeah, you know, you yeah. kept it under lock.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I'm not the kind of person to put it out there like that. But if it comes up, I'll yeah speak to it. So yeah, yeah. thank yeah. you for having me. like it's Yeah, yeah. Awesome. it's
0: it's our it's our honor to have you on. Um, you know, we're we're so. We're so glad to be able to reconnect with you and see that, uh, you know, you're still the same Calvin, but you're in a different place in your life. And now you're kind of uh, bestowing all of your experience and knowledge to your kids and kind of, you know, bringing bringing them up and kind of investing in their potential. Um, It's really cool to see. Um, Yeah.
3: I hope Case doesn't sneak out your FD.
2: (laughs) I know. I'm like worried about that because back then when I was getting my license before that, I would try to sneak out cars here and there. You you better "Mm, take that drive shaft out.
3: Put all those cameras. Get some cameras in there too. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That guy doesn't wrench as much as I'd like him to, so I'll just disable the car. That's good. (laughs)
3: Just a little fuse. Take out a fuse. Mm. That'd be good. That's your theft
0: deterrent. Don't teach him
2: how to work on cars. (laughs) I know, but I need some help because yeah, yeah I can't just be wrenching the whole Chloe time. Chloe can man. help.
3: Like, <laughs> Chloe can help. Oh, yeah, that
2: will be yeah. interesting. There you go. Yeah. Well, I don't know. She's <laughs> less into cars than yeah. the boys. And, yeah. You know, she's got the whole softball thing going on her side. So nice. yeah, It's Nice. They all got their thing going on.
3: Yeah, yep. as they do. I love it.
2: Yeah.
0: So we're gonna close this out. Is there anything else that uh, that we missed that you want to talk about?
2: yeah I mean, no, that's it. I mean, okay. yeah, like it's been an honor to kind of like talk with you guys and yeah be invited for this podcast, so of course appreciate that. you know uh, you you're awesome. you
0: definitely one yeah. of the earliest uh drifting guys um in Norcal, and uh you you had a very successful career doing Formula D and D1, and you were very high profile also, just um you know, you had an iconic car like you had one of the coolest cars that was drifting when we first started in like 2003 in an FD that was so cool right um way better than our little Nissans and and stuff you know <laughs> like you had you were drifting with like a sports car that was so cool um yeah <laughs> but yeah um you're, you're so humble and um it's cool that you've done all this stuff and now that we've got all of this recorded your kids will know what you've done and they get to hear about all of dad's war stories and all the accomplishments he's made without having to tell your kids like, Hey, look at all my accomplishments. I know you're not that kind of person. So I'm glad to be able to get your story in this format. So your kids, your grandkids can hear, um, your great great grandkids can hear what, what a cool guy, great, great grandpa was. Um, so yeah, I mean, Definitely thank you for what you've contributed contributed to the culture and um and the fact that you're willing that you're still looking for ways to give back. Awesome. So yeah, yeah thank you so yeah. much.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. I like, guess kind words and all that. And I I kinda ever since that first moment, like I knew drifting is something that I'll kinda still be in it forever at some point and yeah. something that I just like I miss driving so much from kind of not being around these days. Um, so I'm trying to find ways to get back into it. So mm-hmm. now that case is into it, I'm like, yay, I found a way to kind of get back into it somehow. So I'm going to you know, start, you know, being around more events, hopefully. Yeah. I'm just busy with the kids, but if they're involved in it, you know, that's kind of part of what I got to do. So, like, it, it'll, I'm looking forward to the day to be able to, like, tandem with them, awesome. you know, and, like, be able to, like, do events, you know, and drive together because that's what I always think about. Like I still miss drifting at, yeah. on the track and yeah. all that, and I don't get to do that much nowadays. So um, if I can do that with my kids, that's even better, you know. Yeah. So full agreed. circle. Forward to that
3: day.
0: Yep. Yeah. We'll,
3: we'll be there. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Let us know. Too. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. I wanna. I wanna. Yeah. I wanna observe that with my own eyes.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. we have four possibilities, so the odds are good good that maybe we'll get one yeah so yeah our girls are
0: our girls are starting to get into it um we're like you where we're not putting it in their face all the time like you know like showing them drifting videos all the time and you know we kind of let them figure out what they're into and and two of them so far are really into drifting and so you know we'll see we're kind of in that same place where we're we see the interest and so now that we see the interest we're kind of exposing them them to it more and maybe one day it'll end up you know where you want to be where you're drifting on the track with them
2: so yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. let me know like we'll set up like little oh. private events to kind of train them on all yeah. that like oh, bring your yeah. kids up you guys yeah. got functional cars and all yeah. that or other cars like your Z that you're trying to drift to like bring them out like we'll just instruct them like old oh, we'll drift day yeah let's know, do it right? like let's do yeah. it i'm let
3: down do that. old heads old, old heads, heads. Yeah. Uh, Parent, parents, parents,
2: and kids. Parents yeah. and kids day. A
3: uh, daddy and mommy and me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Yo. Yo. Get all the kids going. It'll be like the new old school drift association crew. Like yeah,
3: yep.
0: hey Calvin, Long did J. you do you remember the over forties team at drift day? Do you remember that?
3: Uh, yes,
1: that's us, was, man. That. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> I thought they were like really old back then. I know. And I'm like, oh, we're still young, like forties. Yep. Wow, that sounds so freaking old. And yep. we're like. Deep in forties now, yeah. I'm like, oh my god! Like we gotta get going on driving before we get too old and <laughs> don't want right. to drive anymore or something. I don't or know. Are not
3: physically able to?
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, man, well, it's my mind is still back in that era, but my body is not. No kidding. Like we, we cannot hang anymore. Feel that. All nighters are tough, and all it's that.
3: It's all good. We're rich. still, we still look good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you gotta give us some credit. We yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, you guys still yeah. look the same. So, props.
3: No, you, do you too. Thank
2: Asian you. don't raisin.
3: We,
2: that yeah, that Asian <laughs> blood. We, just, we got the look, but then physically, we're, we're, yeah. we're probably hurting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <I> am. <laughs> I'm I'm huffing and puffing after I go to the track now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. It's it's tougher out there nowadays
0: than anyone before. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, it was good talking to you. Thanks for coming on, and we'll see you. We'll see you next time. We'll see you at the
3: track with the kids. Yes. Let's
0: do it. All right. Thanks. Thank you guys
2: for having me. Yeah.
3: Appreciate it.
0: It's our our honor. Thank you.
3: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Salady Mania podcast. Season two brought to you by Falcon tires produced by Benson, Sue and Nadine, Sue audio and video engineering by Mark Mondoy graphic design and motion graphics by Steve Nakamura got a question or comment for us, call or text us on our hotline at 323-607-6075 and maybe you can be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts.